I mean, this is radio, not smellio. <laughs> smellio? Yeah. Smellio. <laughs> I feel like that's like a Pokemon that they rejected. <laughs> they wouldn't have. They had Muck. Yeah, Muck was great, though. Yeah. Little, little Mudman. Little Mudgolem. Smellio. <laughs> is it a big nose with a skunk tail, or is it like a skunk with a trunk? Ooh, skunk with a trunk. Oh, yeah. It transforms into rotten, but it's spelled weird. Like R-O-T-T-U-N? Maybe just one T? I don't know. Yeah, maybe one T. Because then it kind of looks like uh, Jotun, one of the Odin spellings. Oh. I don't know how much Japan knows about Nordic deities. They've never heard of them. (laughs) Motherfucker Thor was in, like, the biggest movie in the world. He's fat in it, too. You know. Good for you, Fat Thor. (laughs) <laughs> Represent <laughs> Rotten And Rotten evolves into what? Putrid Putrid? Yeah Putrid okay. does seem like a good yeah. Pokemon name Oh, and that one actually should be Skunky Because then it's like Pepe Le Pew Oh, yeah P-E-W-T-R-I-D Putrid Or T-R-E-A-D Putrid Yeah So it's a tank So it's It's the tank skunk It's got the stinkiest feet Skunk tank I feel like I feel like this is not outside the realm of possibility for like later generation Pokemon. I'm not super familiar with the latter couple hundred that they've introduced. I was Yeah, I don't even know how many, but yeah. Without going into ex- You you and I were both Audi 500 uh after It's, it's Audi 5000. Audi 5000 after uh <laughs> you, you were out at 500. Yeah. <laughs> I stuck after, around for the full 5000. Uh-huh. A- after the uh 151. Once yeah, once they introduced Mewtwo. Two, two? No, I think it was 151. Okay. Well, because I thought 150 was the base Pokemon. Right, and, and then, then Mewtwo. One and two was Mew and Mewtwo. Oh, maybe. I don't remember. We don't really do the Pokemon Go. No. We're more Pokemon Stay Home. Yeah, Pokemon Stay In, Bottle of Wine, Record a Podcast. Yeah. If I was a Pokemon, I'd be Podcast or. Yeah, of course you would. You evolve into Podcastly. <laughs> Podcastly, yes. <laughs> God, one day. <laughs> Should we rename this podcast Podcastly? Joining us for a very special episode of Hate Watch, Great Watch. I'm your co-host, Hunter Bush. And I'm your other co-host, Allison Yukulis. This is a very special episode because it's just the two of us, just Allison and I. Uh, because we had a guest, but we killed them. No, we didn't. That's not true. Brian's fine. Although, would, would fit the theme. <laughs> no, it's just the two of us because this is coming out the week of Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is this Friday. Yep. We're sitting here with a bottle of wine. Yeah, it's got a twist off, a twist off top. I'm sorry, should I? No, not no, buy no. Those? It's it's quite good. It's very good wine. It's the same. This yeah. is what we had the other Everybody, night, right? Everybody's no. Uh, we had uh, Blue Nun the other night. This is clean oh. slate. Not this that is, it matters. This is clean slate. Yeah. That's the sound of my fridge. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh well, let's try it. Here, cheers. Cheers. 
we wanted to pick a romantic, appropriate date night. This is technically, I should have said this, hate watch, date watch, or hate watch, great watch, date watch. Because mm. it's a date night movie. Um, we haven't done this before, but we kind of wanted to do it since pretty much near the beginning. It was a, it was a concept. It's like a concept record. Uh-huh. We're like, we've always been building to this, man. Um, <laughs> we thought it'd be cool because we were a couple, and we thought, we'll just talk about typical kind of or maybe not so typical sort of date night movie something that you know uh, sort of romantical type movie yeah so i don't really like a lot of romantic comedies i think hunter's actually more forgiving about them than i am yeah i mean complaining about whatever your central issue is with romantic comedies complaining about it is like complaining about you know flat acting in a shitty low budget horror movie it's like it kind of comes with the territory sort of streamlining the process of like romance and you know developing emotions and developing a connection to somebody to like oh well also you grew up watching a lot more teen dramas than i did yeah on, i was on tv i was a teenager you went from child to <laughs> early 20s kind of but yeah no because you used to do the dawson's creek and degrassi and stuff oh god and yes yeah and i didn't really watch a lot of that dawson's creek i liked unironically and then it got away from me yeah it stopped being what i liked about it right like what i liked about it was never just the characters it was like that specific setting and era and whatever and i get that like they're real people so they can't simpsons it and just always be in the fourth and third grades right i don't know once dawson was like i'm gonna go to college and start learning how to films and whatever i was just like i don't even really care about this so yeah i sort of tuned out Degrassi, I liked, I I hate to say, like, I like things ironically, you know, because that's a bullshit cover for enjoying things you're embarrassed about enjoying. Yeah. I really genuinely liked Degrassi, but hand in hand with that, I knew it was hot trash throwing daggers at a wall of story points. Like, that's what it was. And that's what's great about it. It was kind of like a tween soap opera. Yes, it it was very much. But, like, at any point in any episode of Degrassi, if you divorce yourself from caring about knowing who any of the characters really were, you would get just enough to be able to follow along relationship-wise. But then 90 things would happen. Yeah. Almost nothing I've ever seen on TV has surpassed the anything could happen at any moment quality that Degrassi had. And I loved it. It was always like the most melodramatic thing. Like it never, it was never like anybody developed superpowers or whatever. But like if that had happened, I wouldn't have been terribly shocked. Yeah. I haven't actually seen the episodes of Dawson's Creek. I did see a few episodes of Degrassi in passing because my roommate was watching it for a while. Smart roommate. Nah, sure. (laughs) It's one of Canada's greatest gifts to our nation. I mean, it's just seems so crazy all the time yeah that's what's great about it yeah i know well okay and like i understand that it is not for everybody it's like melodramatic ingve malmstein Mm -hmm. where it's just like oh yes he's playing guitar again what 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 is he playing oh all the notes at top speed all the arpeggios he's playing two arpeggios at once i don't know how he's doing it but i get how degrassi is just it's just emotions in a blender (laughs) what a neat way to phrase that (laughs) (laughs) and it's like crazy what film did you choose today Bucking the trend of, you know, a Can't Hardly Wait or a, yeah. uh, what's another one that would be good? Never Been Kissed. Never Been Kissed is good, though. Um, it's not yeah. great. Can't um, Hardly Wait isn't great, but it's yeah. fun. So, Say Anything. Yeah. Say Anything I do, I do like. Yeah. Because uh, it's a little weirder. And I mean. It's also a little more adult. 
and its handling of things yeah. and its characterizations and things. Yeah. And I also really like 10 Things I Hate About You. It's great. Um, part of that's because it's a Shakespearean adaptation, if you didn't know that. Yeah, that has nothing to do with why it's good, though. There are a lot of Shakespearean no. adaptations that aren't that good. Oh, yeah. Like, O was terrible. O was terrible. Yeah. And I wanted to like it. Me too. But 10 yeah. Things I Hate About You was fantastic. Yeah. But we didn't watch any of those. Nope. Because instead... I picked. Honestly, you already know what I picked because it's on the episode title. But <laughs> yeah, it's true. Why are we putting such a long tail on this kite? <laughs> but I picked "Only Lovers Left Alive" from 2013, uh, directed by Jim Jarmusch, who is noted for doing weird stuff. Yeah, he's a smart, artsy gentleman. A smartsy, you might say. Smartsy. He's. An, I mean, he's an intellectual. You know, I don't want to say like this is a very intellectual movie, but no, like it's pensive though. Yeah. You know. Okay, so we should... It's um, meditative. Yeah. Well said. This no. is not his first film. Yeah, no, it's not. It's like his It doesn't matter. or something. He's not unprolific, but he's not a movie every two years guy. Yeah. Uh, he takes time, because he also writes, I believe, most if not all of his films. Mm. I've seen a, a bunch, but not. I don't, th- I don't believe I've seen everything. Yeah, actually, I think this is the only Jim Jarmusch I've seen. Yeah, maybe. I actually don't have much Jim Jarmusch. I have Dead Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a copy of Coffee and Cigarettes, yeah. but I don't think I have that anymore. I think I loaned it to someone. Also because, uh, l- later era Jarmish was easier to get on home video or DVD. Yeah. Um, some of his early stuff is harder to track down. Hmm. Well, I mean, also, you know, he's an independent filmmaker for the yeah. most part. He doesn't really do big Hollywood stuff, so oh, yeah, no. a lot of those are harder to find. Yeah. But I mean, like, you can find all David Lynch's stuff. Yeah. Pretty easily. I feel like With the exception of, like, Eraserhead, you can find most David Lynch. I feel like he's got more of a cult following, though, with uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah. And he directed Dune, which was a big studio movie. Yeah. Previous episode. Yeah. Uh, Eight? Yeah. Uh, Did we say hello, excellent humans, and we're live from the Yellow Kitchen? Because if we haven't, we're saying it now. (laughs) We have. You're going to have to just totally cut and paste this whole thing. Nah, this is is loosey-goosey. It's date night. It is date night. Kick your shoes off. Put your feet up, get yourself a box of chocolates. So, uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, um, I picked it because it's kind of romantic, but in a very weird way. Yeah. You know, it's based around two characters that have known each other for centuries, so... It's a vampire movie. Let's throw that out in front. Let's put that on Front Street. It's a vampire movie where they never explicitly say vampire, and it's not about that. Right. Um, which is, I think, what makes it really interesting. It's not... Although they do say zombie several times. Yeah, but they're referring to us. Yeah, humans. Yeah. They just call them zombies. Because I guess it's better than being all edgy and calling them blood bags. Yeah, blood bags or, you know, food. Yeah. Although I definitely did do that where Tilda Swinton, like, ignores some dudes and I'm just like, don't talk to me, food. That's from something, right? It has to be. I just can't think of what. Yeah. It's got really stunning visuals. It's very moody. It's got a lot of, like, well, names we know in it. Um, you mean actors? Like, yeah. The actors, yeah. Well, because, like, okay. So, the stars are Phil Swinton and Tom Hiddleston, who everybody probably at least knows from the Marvel Universe. Yeah, Loki um, and the Ancient One. But also, it's got Anton Yelchin, yep, may John he, Hurt, May they both rest in peace. Mia, I can't pronounce her last name I believe correctly. it's uh, Vasakowska or Wasakowska. Okay. She I, was in the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland. She's been in a bunch of things, but that was the first place yeah. that I had seen her. Uh, she's in Crimson Peak. 
Yes, yeah, after, after, yeah. Also yeah. with Tom Hiddleston. That was after this, right? That was, yes. like, a few years after? Yeah, I think Crimson Peak 2015? was... 2015? Yeah, and, you know, John Hurt's in so much stuff. Alien. Yeah. And and he was also the War Doctor. Yeah. So those are, you know, early in his career, late yeah. in his career, and uh, those are good bookends. Yeah. Good nerdy bookends. <clears throat> he was and, great, though. Uh, Anton Yelchin was in a bunch of stuff. Um, Star Trek, prob- notably. Probably most notably is start in Star Trek. And Green Room. Yeah. I love Green Room. Oh my god, yes. It's a very good, very small cast. Yeah, it is. The movie's gorgeous. It's not super about <laughs> anything. Um, no. no, no, I mean, like, plot-wise. These two, you know, these two lovers, uh, Tom, the Tom Hiddleston one, is kind of depressed. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, in a rut and just sort of bummed out uh, making music in his big empty house in Detroit talks on the phone to Tilda's character and she's in Tangier. Yes. Yeah. She's in, in Morocco. Ta- yeah. And, um, she gets the vibe that he is you know, depressed and sad and, you know, possibly suicidal. And so, yeah, she goes to visit him and, and that's kind of like, that's what the movie is about is about their relationship and they, how they separate and reconnect. Yeah. In the movie, their characters' names are Adam and Eve. Jim Jarmusch is like yeah. Their, into... their character names are Adam and Eve, but it is uh, yeah. inconsequential and not specifically meaningful. Yeah, um, but so Jim Jarmusch is kind of into art. Important literary works get kind of cameoed in this. This movie is, and this may explain why we like it. It's sapiosexual pornography. Yeah, <laughs> it's two really intelligent people having intelligent conversations. They don't even have romantic, like, subtext. They just have chemistry. Yeah. You know, there's, I think, one passionate kiss. Yeah. And a lot of, like, very sensually lying on each other. Oh, yeah. Sometimes nude. Yeah, there's some... Yeah. There's some nudity. Yeah. But it's a really comfortable kind of thing, because it's been so long for them, I guess, and they're still interested in each other they find each other interesting yes because each other has different interests and points of view right it's not talking into a mirror right this movie is actually really really despite being like largely very dark because a lot of it is at night yeah if not all of it Uh, is it all of it yeah i think the only time that we saw a daylight thing was in one of the deleted scenes oh yeah yeah it's all at night it's all mostly interiors another interesting little tidbit from the internet that I got, somebody noted that the geography of Tangier and Detroit is similar and that they're both cities that are in a landmass that is surrounded on three sides by water. Huh. Yeah. Do you think that is supposed to represent like the spooky Dis- the spooky action at a distance? Yeah. That they would both... Because we don't know how they got to their separate locations. We're not flashing through time or anything like that. It's all set in the present. Oh, yeah. It's all in the now. We just occasionally mention things from the past. Right, but but that's what I mean. But they don't even do, like, a fucking, you know, the Avengers. Like, oh, well, like, what happened in Budapest? Like, they don't have any stuff like that. So we don't know if they... The last time they were together, it was in Detroit or in Tangier or in a completely separate location. And they both went separate ways or, you know... I mean, so my that's my question is, do you think that, like, that's supposed to represent, like, and they've both, you know, since the last time they were together, split and, you know, chose very similar locations because 
of this connection. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, I felt like the uh, the cities were metaphorical, but then also that they are really part of the characterization of Adam and of Eve. Yeah. Adam's character belongs in Detroit. It has a musical history. It is itself oh, sure. kind of languishing and crumbling. Yeah, at the and... time that this was filmed, it was after the collapse of the auto industry. Yeah. It was like... I would say, without being a Detroit historian of any kind, like, is one of the darkest times uh, financially for Detroit. Yeah, well, they even uh, spotlight some of that in the movie. Yeah, I mean, they show some of the abandoned areas and driving around at night, and there's fucking nobody and nothing. Yeah. A lot of American industrial towns, like, you know, what's the, what's the, it's boom and, uh... Boom and bust. Yeah, boom and bust years. Yeah. And, like, but this is, like, the worst, though. This isn't like, yeah. oh, Pittsburgh's having a rough time because the steel industry isn't what it used to be. It's like all manufacturing in Detroit had shut down for a while. And this was, um, that was part of why it was actually filmed there as opposed to just oh, filming in a separate cheap. location. Yeah, they had a ton of uh, arts grants and stuff to bring mm-hmm. industry into the city. Yeah, there's a scene where they go to the Michigan Theater and Tom Hilston's talking about what this used to look like and it used to seat 4,000 people and there would be operas here and this, that, and the other and yeah. now it is a car park. Yeah. It, it puts a fine point on the level of decay yeah. So, you know, on the flip side, I feel like Tilda feels like she belongs in Tangier. Yeah, it's, she's it, comfortable in her surroundings. It's, oh yeah. You know, yeah, she's well versed. Yeah. There's a deleted scene where she speaks uh, Arabic to the yeah. cab driver or Lyft driver or whatever it is that yeah. picks her up. Um, also, she's more tech savvy, or not tech savvy, but like uh, she's modern. Been, she, yeah, she, she's been keeping up more with modern technology. Yeah, she's more Adam's. current. So. You, she feels a bit more global and world travelery, yeah, than he does. So she regularly takes a stroll uh, through evening constitutional, yeah, through the market to a little bar or restaurant or something, and meets up with her connection. Yeah, John Hurt. John Hurt playing Phil- oh. Philip Marlowe. Yes, Kit Marlowe. Yes, that was the name. Yeah. Um famous playwright who uh in case you don't know disappeared um reports are you know sketchy but um just vanished in his late 20s 27 29 something like that mm-hmm. um but up until that point was like highly praised vanished a popular theory for a while popular enough that i heard it and i don't particularly care is that kit marlowe like faked his death and then became Sh- william shakespeare Oh, yeah. That's the, uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. It all stems from the central theory that Shakespeare wasn't a person, that Shakespeare was a, a nom de plume. Yeah. Um, maybe by, the, see, the one I had always heard and thought was the most reasonable was that um, Shakespeare was some kind of royal who couldn't write publicly under their royal name because it was unseemly and common to, like, be a writer. Not to mention that Shakespeare was noted playing to the pit he had things in yeah. there that weren't uh oh no there's fart there's fart jokes yeah. there's potty humor there's double entendre it was all there's beneath sexual humor yeah, yeah it was all beneath the aristocracy right I not hate. beneath us nope <laughs> we in the basement mm-hmm. um this movie since there's not a strong like linear plot and a lot of jarmish films are kind of like that i mean like, Coffee and Cigarettes is a, a well-known film of his, and it's just a series of vignettes. Yeah. And this is kind of like that. It's a series of 
thematic vignettes. It is centered it's, around the same, like, five or six characters. Right, it is. Yeah, it, it's all the same characters, and, and it's all set concurrently. Um, you know, it's within a week or whatever the fuck yeah. the time frame is. It's more or less the same two locations. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's not a plot movie. It's just these two... I keep, I keep trying to not use the word lovers because it's in the title. I keep yeah. saying it. But yeah, these... this. And I don't want to call them a couple because they're kind of... They are, but they're not well, no, in, they, in a traditional there's, sense. There's, there's a line that they're married. Yeah. But they're... I mean, like, if they were humans and therefore our concept of time was forced upon them, they'd be estranged. Although, I mean, like, they're also both extremely wealthy. Yeah, they're independently wealthy. And they are very attached to each other. And yeah. I think so. Some... They have different ideas of what an ideal lifestyle is. So then they they have the means and the ability and they also have the time to do those things. Yeah. Must be nice. <sighs> So we open its, you know, titles, and then it's a shot of the stars. Mm -hmm. And the stars start to spin and rotate, um, and they become, like, glints on a record on a platter that's rotating. Yeah. And it's, did you write the song down? I, I think I did, but I don't know where. I did not know what song it was. It is Funnel of Love by Wanda Jackson. Um, but I also read something online that said it was, wasn't was the regular version. It was either played slower on the record platter yes. no, or, yeah. or that it was a cover by Jim Jarmusch's band, which I believe is pronounced Squirrel. Yes. It's like S-Q-U with an umlaut, R-L, yeah. all lowercase because artsy. So um, somebody said that it might be a cover by his band, but, but yeah. somebody also, I, another thing I read said that it was just played slower on the platter. Yeah, I had read that it was played slower, as were a couple of songs in this, to give it more of like an ethereal feel yeah sure and, and also fits the pace of the movie movies yeah. uh it's a contemplative pace yeah like i said this is uh I, I said the phrase sapiosexual pornography earlier if you don't know what that is you're probably you not Google one <laughs> that's a zinger yeah but no um sapiosexual is people who are attracted to intelligent people but yeah so um it becomes this the stars become the record on the platter and then um we get shots of tilda and tom which is, I believe, how I refer to them, even though their names are Adam and Eve, which are equally short and easy to write down. But I wrote Tilda and Tom. That's how I think of them. We're friends. But it's just them, you know, over, uh, overhead shots of them, like, and the camera is spinning. So I noticed a fun thing, which was after this opening sequence was done, if you looked at anything else in the room, it, like, warped and moved. It's like a magic eye oh, trick. Oh, okay. Like, there's, you could probably... Yeah, the, the stare at the circle. Yeah, and you then, could probably go yeah. on your phone and find a YouTube video where it's like maximize this you know and then stare at it for two minutes and when it's done look at the wall this, it, it, this is what it's like to be on drugs and i'm like it's not i've yeah. been on drugs this is a fun like oh look you're making my eyes kajiggle but like we're gonna show you an american flag negative and then we're gonna just show you an all-white screen you're gonna see an american, american flag, flag with the right colors yep there's also a physical one you can do if uh, if you are so able-bodied at home go to an empty doorway and stand in it uh, so that your shoulders are parallel to the door frame. And then, like, I can't remember how long. I'll say one minute. You need to push as hard as you can against the doorway for, like, a solid minute. As though you're trying to, like, push it wider. And then walk forward and relax your arms at your sides. And they will start to lift up of their own accord because uh, of the muscle memory kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Nice. Yeah. Or visually... You can cross your eyes and start bringing your finger in front oh, of you, yeah. and you can see the little finger. The third moving. ghost finger. Yeah. Yeah, the little finger Cheeto. 
Anyway. Anyway. I think there's a good amount of swirling camera work in this. Yeah. Well, that and sweeping. They do a lot of side-to-side shots where the the camera will, like, move across an area. I just really liked that opening shot. You know, I like records. I listen to records. But I like starting on the stars, which gives you, like cosmic ideology and you know things like that and you're thinking in a grand scope and then bring it down to a very small scope you know yeah i'm not saying like it's original or whatever but i liked it as a as a starting point for this film yeah well and i mean discussions in this movie uh, a lot of it's about you know famous scientists and astronomers and stuff so yeah. there's a bit of that happening um, yeah and there's a lot of like existential discussion yeah i didn't write down any of the specific like name drops in things really after a you certain can point find lists online there's some oh, on sure. IMDb that has like all the books that tilda packs that you can see the spines of sure and... i mean i caught a couple that i remember uh, infinite jest was in there yeah. and um i mean she's a voracious reader she also seems to have the ability to absorb information with a touch uh, it looks like she's speed reading. That's not speed or, reading. Or skimming. She is touching the page. She's touching each line on the page. Okay. And then turning it. The only person I've ever seen read that quickly was Johnny Five yeah. from Short Circuit. Well, also she can do it in multiple languages because it shows yeah. her doing it in English, French, Japanese, Arabic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe something else. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to all the written languages. Probably yeah. Italian, Greek. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, that's also all she, attention. all she packed though is books. Oh, which yeah. I loved. I was like, yeah. yeah. Oh, something I did want to know or want to note too, is when we see them spinning, Tilda's just kind of leaned up against her bed and Tom is on a sofa with a lute. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Okay. But why did you want to note that? Uh, it is somewhat mirroring the end of the movie where they're sitting together in Morocco. He's got a bigger loot in Morocco. I don't know loots had sizes. Uh, maybe they're slightly different instruments, but I don't really know what the difference would be, so I just said loot. Sure. <laughs> well, now I'm almost 100% convinced it wasn't a loot, but... Uh, it's got the same, like, shape with, like, the bent neck and the big, oh, uh, really? bulbous bottom. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then, yeah, sounds like a loot. Yeah. Okay. Like, maybe they have sizes. Maybe it's, like, maybe in Detroit, between a cello and a bass. Yeah, maybe you know? in Detroit who's playing a uh, lute galele. Uh-huh. Actually, that was pretty good. Coming <laughs> for a pound. <laughs> I like how begrudgingly you were like, you're like, oh, that was fucking, d-. actually, that was good. No, I like that joke. Okay, yeah. I've decided I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Happy Valentine's Day. I love you. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. I love you, too. <laughs> cutting this out <laughs> uh so after the opening shot the first thing that really happens is anton yelchin shows up with a guitar delivery yeah it's these four guitars they're all very nice no- i didn't bother to write down I, the one was you a gretch find it on the internet yeah you can that's the thing is you can find all these details the details aren't that important and tom hiddleston is like familiar intimately familiar with them at a glance like he know oh, yeah. you know he's like oh that's this it was produced like you know it's a it's a guitar nerd thing which i'm not really i i know a little about a little but um yeah. I, a musician but he's not like such a gearhead no that um, he can identify what era of i don't know i'm gonna say fender because it's one of the only guitar companies i know well there was a <laughs> supro in this and a gretsch um, uh, I think I heard of Gretsch. Yeah, you've probably heard of Gretsch. At the end of his little, like, 
sort of monologue about, oh, this one's this and this one's that and whatever. He does have a whole thing of, uh, oh, I saw Eddie Cochran play this one. Anton goes like... You saw Eddie... What's Anton's name in this? Uh, Ian? Ian, yes. Yeah. His name is Ian. His character's name is Ian, but we'll probably refer to him as Anton. Um, But so he goes, you know, you actually saw Eddie Cochran play? And Tom goes like, yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, and he's, oh, yeah, man, right. (laughs) It made me laugh. Yeah. I know. Well, I just, uh, just... wrote that down. And I was like, "Good cover, bro." Yeah. <laughs> God, YouTube must be great for vampires. Yeah, yeah. I we're think. At, we're at a point in history where, like, you can access almost all of the information that we've ever had. So yeah, guitar delivery. Anton Ian is Tom Hiddleston's like gopher. Yeah, he's his go for this, go for that. Yeah, he's his buddy who he you know pays handsomely. Yeah, to run errands for him and look for things um, because Tom Hiddleston is a musician. Um, He's making, he says he's he's lately into funeral music, which I was like, I was like, oh, it's a good line. Also a good line. So he, yeah, he'll send Ian out during the daylight hours to, you know, procure various instruments and whatever he needs. Yeah. Um, Ian doesn't know that there's anything weird. No, he just thinks he's an eccentric rock star who wants to be left alone, which a lot of them do. Which, I mean, yeah, honestly, for rock stars, it's not that weird, and a lot of them are pretty nocturnal. Yeah. We keep our own hours. Yeah. Because we don't have day jobs, ideally. I (laughs) I always did, and it sucks, I'll tell you. Before he leaves, Ian is like, okay, anything else you need? And... Um, Tom Hiddleston tells him, like, I want a wooden bullet. Yeah. Uh, and he gives him a couple of specific woods that it could be made out of that has to be, like, very dense wood. Uh, he says, iron wood, snake wood, or African black wood. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also recites the Latin, yeah, like, genus and whatever names for yeah. them. Well, that's, that's an affectation both his character and Tilda's character have. Yeah. Where uh, they'll see animals, animals or, plants, or plants yeah, and state the Latin. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, look, Canis Lupensi. How, yeah. What are you doing here? I made that up. I think that means, like, blue wolf. So he asks Anton slash Ian to find him a wooden bullet. And he says it's for a secret art project. Yeah. <laughs> Called Killing Myself. Yeah, oh, which... Wait, did I say that out loud? Vampire hypnotize. <laughs> and Anton asks to use his bathroom, <laughs> and he's like, it's still out of order. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's true. You mentioned him probably not using the bathroom earlier, and I was like, yeah, I guess it doesn't come up, but I forgot about that. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's it still up. out of order. Yeah, he just doesn't care yeah. to... Yeah. He's not He's not in the plumbing. He's into electronics. And, but yeah, so I'm guessing vampires don't poop. <laughs> I mean, it's a liquid diet. Oh, certainly. Maybe their bodies just process everything. Oh, like uh, working at peak capacity. Yeah, I mean, like if they're if they're drinking blood, which they are, and maybe they're just absorbing pure nutrients. The rest is water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we had just finished talking about uh, the uh, wood bullet, which Anton slash Ian is going to go procure for him. Yeah, because apparently he's got a guy. Yeah, he does say, "I think I got a guy that can do that." Which is like, really? That's why he has that job. I guess. Then what? And then, uh, yeah, we see John Hurt. Um, Because while this has been going on, uh, Tilda's been taking her evening constitutional to some kind of restaurant, bar, cafe, whatever. Yeah, it's sort of intercut. Um, She's waiting a little bit. And then John Hurt shows up. Do we find out here that he's Marlo? Yeah. Yeah, she tells him... Yeah, I think I think she 
says his name or something. Yeah, uh, he's he makes some comment about um, like the need for secrecy, and she says, "Well, I, you know, I'm very good at that. Mm-hmm. Like, no one would know I'm meeting with, you know, Kit Marlowe." Yeah. Um, which I think I started talking about, but didn't quite finish. That besides the rumor that. Yeah, the rumor I I'd always heard was that Shakespeare was a noble of some kind. But I guess another, another yeah, another popular theory is that it was Kit Marlowe who faked his death uh, in his 20s and then created the pen name William Shakespeare. The basis of it seems to be like their writing was similar, you know, enough and uh, whatever. But I just like, why, you know, that's like Quentin Tarantino being like, okay, I made Reservoir Dogs, I'm going to kill myself, you know, fake kill myself, and then reinvent myself as like, Stephen Rudlich, and then I'm going to make Pulp Fiction, and it's like, well, just make it as Quentin Tarantino, it's still going to be as popular, you know, like, there's no, like, if if Kit Marlowe had written Romeo and Juliet, or The Tempest, or whatever the fuck, it would still be as, you know, widely regarded as... There would be no payoff. Yeah, I just don't get what the... You know, but again, I haven't read extensively into it, so maybe there's reasoning for that. Um, maybe, but also sometimes it's you know spurious reasoning. Uh, but so recently yeah. in real times, there's been a lot of talk about Keanu Reeves in the on the World Wide Web in the news. What the theory that he's a vampire? No, that he uh, he's actually a what is called. I didn't know. I had to Google this term because I was like, that doesn't make any sense. He's a Shakespeare truther. So he is somebody who believes that not only Shakespeare wasn't, like, a real dude, uh-huh. like that Shakespeare was a nom de plume, uh-huh. but apparently he subscribes to the theory that it was Kit Marlowe. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess that came up in an interview not long ago, and the internet is kind of having... Who the heck had such a weird time finding content that they decided to ask Keanu Reeves about how, who he thought Shakespeare was? I mean, to be, like, do you want me to just be honest with you? Like, I think they asked him, like, what would you do if you had a time machine? Like, an open-ended question. And he said something like, go back and find out who really wrote the works of Shakespeare or something. Oh. Um, And I don't know specifically that he said, like, I think it was Kit Marlowe. But apparently, by that that one comment, somebody who believes that Shakespeare didn't, wasn't a person. And that somebody wrote Shakespeare's works and used the name. And the internet is having a hard time dealing with this, and I don't get why. Because, really, and I say this with all due respect, internet, who gives a shit what Keanu Reeves thinks about Shakespeare? I love Keanu Reeves, but if Keanu Reeves showed up and told me, like, the Reuben is the best sandwich ever, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's great. I don't, I, I still like a BLT. You know, like, it's his opinion. He can, He's allowed to have his opinion. BLT stands for Barred Lizard Truth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Barred Lizard Truth. <laughs> God damn. That's good. I'm gonna make one of those and mail it to Keanu. <laughs> I don't get it, but I will wear it. <laughs> I'm Canadian. He probably would wear a shirt that he didn't understand. Oh, I was making him a button. Like It's from a fan. Yeah, That's he seems like know. like maybe the nicest guy in the I world. I know. Which is why everybody's freaking out and being like, Keanu Reeves maybe believes something. And we don't even know. Like, you know, nobody's asked him directly, hey, what do you believe about Shakespeare? You know, like, but like the internet seems to be freaking out. Like, he has one weird opinion. It's like, who gives a shit? The other 99 point whatever percent of his personality is like pure gold. He's allowed to have one weird thing. 
Yeah. Like, you know. Also. Like, oh, can't, like. It sounds like less worse than some other people's weird opinions. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, other than that, he's like a perfect uh, human being. So, we kind of juxtapose Tilda's evening meal with Tom's evening meal, where he dresses up like a doctor. Yeah, he puts on like a full-on lab coat, OR scrubs, face mask, and the little hat, like the hairnet. Yeah, it's like a surgeon's cap. So he dresses up like a doctor, he drives over to the hospital. His uh, name tag on his doctor's scrubs is uh, Dr. Faust. Yes. Um, There's a lot of that in this. Yeah, there's a lot of references to things. Cute references. Yeah. Because he could be like Dr. McIntosh or any he, goddamn other... The doctor you know. he meets up with is Dr. Watson, which is a Sherlock Holmes reference. And yeah. And he himself keeps ribbing Tom about that, calling him uh, Dr. Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove. Yeah, Dr. Strangelove, yeah. Dr. Caligari. Which are um, more mad scientist-y doctors. Um, yeah. Of. So. Sure. Strange well, Love isn't a mad scientist. I mean, who's a, more than Faust. Faust is a deal with the devil. Yeah. Like for your eternal soul bit. Yeah. So that's like yeah. it, that ties into He's the immortality. Not a doctor, but no, but yeah. it ties into the immortality yeah. thing. Yeah. Strange Love is just a madman. Yeah. You know, he's a war profiteer. Yeah. Well, and, and I then, guess in some ways, like that was destructive science, which okay. is also an element that we yeah. discuss here. Okay, I was I just yeah. wasn't sure where you were going with that. Yes. But yeah, no, okay. I yeah. see that. Dr. Caligari, famous for his cabinetry. <laughs> I actually Who, didn't Caligari? see Dr. Caligari. Yeah, is isn't he creating um like a better tomorrow? People beasts or People something? beasts? Yeah. Chimeras or whatever. No. I believe it's Chimera. Chimeras? But um no. Caligari is um I think it's a sem- somnambulist and um it's like a German expressionist film. Okay. Yeah. Well, somnambulist is sleepwalker. Sleepwalker. I know. Okay. I know what fucking it means. I said it. Okay. I'm not just out here saying words. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I just Googled it. He's a hypnotist, Dr. Caligari, and he hypnotizes a somnambulist to kill. Oh, okay. That's what it is. He's not himself a somnambulist. Huh. A guy comes to him for help with his uh, sleepwalking, and, and Caligari hypnotizes him to kill. That's what it is. Huh. Okay. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen Caligari. And I was probably pretty drunk. But yeah, so he shows up. And other actor who we didn't mention, who's in a bunch of stuff, uh, Jeffrey Wright is Dr. Watson. Yeah, that's right. He's just hanging out in his hematology lab or yeah. whatever. Uh, I really like Jeffrey Wright as an actor. Yeah. Um, I think he's a great Felix Leiter in the more recent Bond films. Yeah. The Daniel Craig era Bond. Uh-huh. Um, but he's great in most things he pops up in yeah um we watched again another uh working character actor oh definitely so he's in a bunch of stuff yeah um we watched uh basquiat not that yes. long ago like yeah last year and he's great in that yeah like phenomenally good yeah and sort of related trivia jeffrey wright played basquiat in basquiat but jim jarmusch's wife sarah driver made the documentary about basquiat oh uh, Boom called, for called Boom for Real that was released last year. Yeah, which uh, you covered for Movie John, right? Yeah, I did. But um, yeah, a little Basquiat connection. Yeah. Sarah Driver gets a, a special thanks at the end of the credits. Yeah. And that's he uh, for I think it said for inspiration and instigation. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I think you know that implies that these are conversations that like they had we have and sometimes. yeah, and she was like. This should just Do be the movie. This should just be the movie, Jim. And he was like, 
Yeah, I guess. I guess that's right. <laughs> yeah, we watched. Uh, there was like a yeah behind the little, scenes. Yeah, behind the scenes documentary. Little featurette. Yeah. Hunter got to bone up on his Jim Jarmusch. Uh, yeah, I impression. realized up until that point, I very rarely heard Jim Jarmusch speak. Yeah. Well, like he's popped up as like a talking head in a couple of documentaries I've seen. I think he's in Boom for Real. Probably yeah. Um, but uh, that was probably the most recent and like. Uh, but yeah, I was like, I never really heard him speak at length. And in this, there's a lot of behind the scenes. Like, I actually got to listen to him talk. And I was like, oh, yeah. no, no, that's how I would have thought Jim Jarmusch sounded. He sounds very normal. Yeah. Even just... though he kind of looks like he's doing an Andy Warhol thing with his, like... Oh, he see, he looks like a mad scientist. Yeah. He's got a shock of white hair. Yeah, yeah. He's got, like, yeah, like, Lynchian sort of, like, yeah. big high hair. Yeah. Uh, crazy white hair. And yeah. Yep. He looks like a mad scientist. Yeah. Or like he would play a keytar. Also, you kept talking about how much you loved all the bounce lighting. Yeah, there see. is some, like, there's lovely lighting in this movie throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Um, it's really... it's Soft like, and sensual. It's very pretty. <laughs> yeah. Like, the whole movie. Despite, again, I think I started to mention this, like, despite being in, like, mostly kind of, like, decrepit locations. Like, they're not yeah. themselves especially, like, grand or decadent or whatever. They fall... Like, a lot of the places have fallen into disrepair mm-hmm. and things, but, like, really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom Hiddleston doesn't really have any... Uh, almost any dialogue in any of his scenes with Watson. He just kind of, like... Looms. Yeah, he just kind of stands there in his doctor outfit and, yeah. like... Does big eyes at him yeah. And there's one time where he literally like just like backs out of the room. It's very good. Also, he's like tossing mad stacks of cash at him. Oh yeah. It's a huge yeah. fat wad of cash. Yeah. For your discretion. Yeah. I, that's not a line, but that's the implication. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I think the second time we see him is when uh Jeffrey Wright like throws it in the air and then like holds his pocket open and catches it. Yeah. It's like I was like, oh look at that, it's fun. Yeah. I hope that was improv. Yeah. Feels it feels yeah. in the moment. Yeah. But he's seriously like, you pale, creepy bastard, and then he's like throwing this giant wad of money in his pocket. Yeah. It's great. Uh, I think also, you know, he's talking about how like he got the good stuff, O positive. Yeah, O negative. negative. Sorry. O positive is my blood type. Um, oh, yeah. mine is a mystery. I don't know. That's I've never had blood work. That's because you don't donate. I don't donate. It freaks you out. It does. Because of veins. Yeah. Is this the podcast where we talk about my fears? No, we've done that before. <laughs> Have we? I think it was Scream. We were talking about things that freak you out in movies and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, so we did. we're talking about eye stuff and spinning out into space. Yep. And also... Achilles tendon is kind of lower on the scale, but I don't yeah, like it. I don't think we mentioned that. And then, but, yeah, yeah, veins... Veins are weird. Veins creep me out. Yeah. It's creepy. Anyway, yeah, so donating blood is right out. I mean, I could do it if you could just let me be asleep. Uh, I'm more than willing to get... It's not a thing about me wanting to keep my blood. Uh, You can have it, but I need to be asleep. You know, from donating blood, that's how I found out my blood type, and also how I found out that I don't have the same blood type as anybody else in my immediate family. Type O is recessive, and my parents and my brother are all A, I think. And you are a no, I'm adopted. <laughs> no, I looked into it. It's <laughs> it's plausible for my parents to be a and me to still have. It's o plausible is the best thing. It's the best thing you'd say about like. Wonder if I'm. Wonder if I am actually in this family. It's plausible. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like the MythBusters. I was trying to MythBust whether or not I was adopted, and it's 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 plausible that I wasn't. 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. Fair. Uh huh. I also have a different eye color than my family. Dude, you are not part of that. <laughs> Again, it's still plausible. It's plausible, yeah. Because my dad and my brother have blue eyes, which is recessive. My mom has hazel eyes, which is a grab bag of something weird went weird with your genes. And why does that happen? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, hazel, green, and purple, and I think also gray are all potential eye colors that you can have that don't really follow the whole dominant recessive scheme. That's because it's leftover it's, alien DNA. Yeah, it's a weird mutated thing. Um, but so she's kind of an unknown, and my dad's eye color is recessive, and so I got a dominant expression because I have brown eyes. So for whatever reason, O positive blood, I guess, is the most delicious or fortifying or something. It's the good stuff. It's and O negative, dude. Did I say positive again? Yeah, you did. Oh, o negative. Just so, think about it. It's the band type O negative. Yeah, but yeah. O negative blood is the, the universal donor. It can be safely donated to anyone of any blood type. Maybe that's what it is. What? Just that it's not going to... Uh... Whatever it is about, you know, O negative, like, that translates to you drinking it makes it the most palatable. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, they definitely do make mention about, like, blood pollutants, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, yeah, but that seems either through drugs or right. Illness. But that seems yeah more general and sp uh, person to person rather than like oh well you can't drink A B negative because A B negative is too carbonated or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they, it's not about blood type. It's about like specific. You know, like it's a rotten piece of fruit or whatever, as opposed to a fruit allergy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, I read a thing that said that there was originally, like, some action scenes of some kind in this movie. And then a producer, again, apocryphally, because I read this online, I have no idea. But a producer went to Jim Jarmusch and said that they wanted more action. And Jim Jarmusch's response was to cut out all the action. Yeah. Which I fucking 100% love and support. Yep. Because <laughs> um, fuck you, this is his movie, let him do what he wants. Yeah. But having read that, I watched it this time kind of wondering where it would be yeah, yeah what what it was and where it was like was it a twilight style vampire baseball scene <laughs> um was it a fucking you know because there are some like rock and roll kids that are at one point kind of hanging yeah. around adam's house yeah um because they've heard his music and they somehow found out that he lives out there yeah. and you know maybe he like goes out and does like spooky vampire you know fast motion stuff because we do see that they're fast right um, so maybe, like, he ran out there and did some, like, spooky, fast vampire shit and scared him away. Or then I was like, oh, maybe, like, the action, quote-unquote, from this, like, little blurb that I read was, like, they see blood and then they have to, like, restrain a, an instinctual urge to go feed. You know, maybe that was the action. Like, maybe yeah. it wasn't a fight scene, action scene, chase scene thing. Maybe it was, like... I mean, like, there's a few areas where action's implied, but we don't see it. Like, uh, how the guitar got broken later on in the movie. Oh, that's true. And, you know, at the end we cut before we see anything. Yeah, but that was definitely intentional. I don't think that was, like, an editing choice. Yeah. I'm also, just, but I'm specifically also, talking about the quote-unquote action that was yeah. removed from the film, supposedly. Yeah. We don't even know if that was just dailies or if it was, uh, an early edit, you know? What? If what was what? The action sequences and removing them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, could have been early enough in the process that when they filmed the ending, they had already decided how they were going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that was like forever. Like I think that that just seemed like intentionally that was the final shot. Yeah, 
Okay. So yes, we've gone on some tangents, but um, yeah. they've both acquired blood, and they both put it in little little sippy sippy aperitif glasses. Aperitif glasses, little sippy glasses. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if they have a special name, but yeah, the little you know ounce or two. It's basically like a real big glass sip. thimble. Yeah, glass or two that you'd sip like a liqueur from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they they pour yeah like a couple of couple of spoonfuls into that. Yeah, I think we see uh, Tilda, Tom, and John Hurt. John Hurt, yes, they yeah. all do it, and yeah. they have a narcotic reaction to it. Yeah, everybody like falls back like it's you know heroin or something. Yeah, it's a, it is a very like. It's film language for, like, heroin or psychedelics, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very, like, slow fall back, like, train spotting Yeah. Like, slow fall back onto a bed or onto the couch that they're on or whatever, or the mm-hmm. floor. With and, the teeth out. Yeah, the teeth yeah. out. And just, like, ah. Like, yeah. they finally pushed off. And, like, yeah, it's a very, like, narcotic film language thing. Yeah. Which was cool. Doesn't seem to last very long, though. No, and, uh... Well, the first time, it's kind of unclear exactly how long it lasts, because, yeah. you know, time is relative, you know, whatever, to mm-hmm. them. But in later instances, there's sort of a orgasmic sort of, like, ah. Yeah. And then, like, a breath. And then, like, all right, back to what we were doing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tilda calls up, uh... Yeah, Eve Tom. decides to call up, uh, Adam. Yes. Tilda decides to call up Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Tilda and Tom sounds more fake to say than Eve and Adam. Okay. It, it sounds like a children's book. Okay. She calls him from her, I guess, iPhone. So here's the thing, is when we first watched this movie a couple of years ago, I had no idea when it was made. I didn't realize it was that recent. And even the iPhone she is, I think, is a few years out of date. Sure. And that would I'm track. Not, I'm not sure, because I don't know. I'm not very well-versed in iPhones, but I thought it was like an early gen. But honestly, I think that's one of the newest pieces of technology in the entire film. Well, yeah, and again, it's because... A lot of the, what we see is much older stuff. Yeah, well, again, it's because the bulk of the movie is set yeah. in Detroit, which uh-huh. A, has fallen into disrepair, but B, a lot of it is set at Tom Hiddleston's, you know, place, and he doesn't give shit about the outside world. But yeah, I mean, as, as far He's as I He's a very knew, insular person. As far as I knew, this could have been 1990 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, it's, it's very ageless for a movie because of how it's treating everything else. I mean, also, they do reference YouTube, which came out in the 10s. I don't know exactly when. Sure. Um... And I don't know when FaceTime was established, but so, I mean, like, there are clues Well, for FaceTime, they don't, they, it's not like they use branded FaceTime. Yeah, that's true. They just use video phone shit. That's true. Which has been around since the Jetsons. That's you know, true. and, I mean, and before. Yeah. Like, the concept of video phones. Right. So, like, this, from your point of view, not knowing when it was made, like, for all you knew, this could have been, like, a Parks and Rec final season thing where they have, like, the glass tablet phones that do like hologram oh, the, projections the, the like grizzle phones yeah and they yeah. do they do like 3d hologram projections mm-hmm. and shit yeah like at some point in the future somebody will watch that for the first time and be like when was this made i thought this was an old show but they have the phones that we have so yeah she uses her like whatever phone iphone and whatever skype some kind of video chat um and he initially answers a goddamn landline and is talking to her, and she's like, well, I want to see you. And he's like, I want to see you too, hold on. He fucking, like, hits a button, hits some clickety-clack other buttons on his, like, 
mishmash thrown together makeshift like technology mess that's yeah. all in his like looks, on his coffee table looks like an acer laptop or something yeah and like it's like it's all wired together it's a big old viper's nest of cords and wires and he hangs the phone up and then like clicks on a tv across the room and he's got like the video feed from the laptop into the tv well, also that fucker's got tubes yeah oh yeah it's an old tv like everything like, yeah he's got a record player and yeah it's a bunch of like salvaged trash picked technology that he's sort of like made work to be actually futuristic well beyond what it was capable of he didn't repair a video phone he turned a bunch of old shit into a video phone yeah which it's possible it's just like with the age of some of this stuff it seems unlikely but also who knows he does have a whole steampunk thing yeah he's got a generator that powers his his house by sucking energy out of the atmosphere based quote unquote based on a design of Tesla's. Yeah. Like this is I guess technically science fiction, which yeah. is great. Yeah. A lot of the like tinkering that he does is a little steampunky or I guess I don't know, pick a different uh There's so many sub genres. Yeah. Wire punky, I yeah. don't know. Tinkerpunk. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, I maybe just made that up. Yeah. I'm not even sure. So he fires up his fucking Tinkerpunk uh, Jetsons phone, and yeah, they, I mean, they talk, I mean, this, like, they have a conversation yeah. where she... has she... a whole thing of, like, you know, you look sad, are you sad? And he's being, we again, he's yeah. being Morpheus from fucking Sandman, yeah. and he's being like, I'm always sad. Yeah, and she's like, you were like this before, we can fix it, you know? Yeah. Remember how it was. And she, yeah, and she tries to get him to, to break out of his little fucking rut and come to Morocco, and... You know, she's like, you'll love it here. It's on the water like you like, and, you know. Yeah. So I've never been to Morocco. I imagine if it's as arid as it seems, people might come out at night more. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, yeah, too hot during the yeah. day. Yeah, in areas where, like, the day is really hot, you'd probably have more of a nightlife, so that would be... And, I mean, it would seem from what we see of it that, like, it's more, it's all more centrally located. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he lives out in the fucking suburb bumblefuck of Detroit yeah. where he's got to drive past like empty lots and, you know, abandoned industrial blocks right. to get to like downtown yeah. to go to the hospital and then later like to a club. Whereas she lives in an apartment at the top of a stair located somewhere surrounded by other buildings. Like there's a lot more people and activity. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 yeah it's and more, like her it's walking vibrant and honestly, it's better lit yeah yeah her walking through you know through the town to get to the bar or whatever where she meets marlo mm -hmm. she probably sees like 15 or 20 people yeah um and he sees nobody except for like two nurses or whatever yeah uh, on his way out of the hospital yeah occasionally coyotes you can hear <laughs> Yeah, there's a real funny joke. I don't remember where it is, so I'll, I'll mention it now. It's not a joke, but it's funny. When they're waking up at night, it's an establishing shot of his house, and you just hear, like, a coyote howl, and it's, like, the cock crowing. Yeah. It's like this, like... And I was like, oh, it's like... Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. I don't think I really thought of that, but that's actually pretty funny. Coyotes. The cocks of the night. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? Well, they're more coy. Are they? Spelled coy. You like the fish? No. That's... <laughs> that's coy. It's different coy. <laughs> Is it? Yes. 
So, yes, what? He doesn't seem to want to come to Tangier, so she goes, fine, I'll go to Detroit. Yeah, she says, uh, but traveling is such a drag. Yeah. Which I, I like. This is also, I think, the first time we get him saying zombies. Uh, probably. Because they're, they're sort of talking about, like, the state of the world a yeah. little bit. Because she asks him if he's sad, you look sad. He's like, well, and he kind of just says, like, well, why wouldn't I be? Everything is so terrible. The fucking zombies, you know. Trashing blah, blah, blah. everything. Yeah, and, yeah. like, I mean, that's a through line that gets brought up a, at least twice, maybe three times in this movie, that, mm-hmm. like, human beings are just carelessly destroying the planet. Mm-hmm. And, like, this was made in 2013. Yeah. Apparently, either Jim Jarmusch is a fucking prophet or... Oh, no, we, this, we, this we is knew thing, about this. Right, it's a thing we should have seen coming. years ago. Yeah. There's even earlier stuff than this. Yeah, I reviewed I reviewed the movie Aniara. Which is based off of a 1953? 56? 56? It's either 56 or 65, but I think it's 56. 56, yeah. A poem about Earth's destruction and the human race uh, moving to Mars. Yep. So... Yeah. yeah, it's not a new I know. concept. It's been, it's been decades. That but I think at some point... our environmental impact. But at some point it went from, uh, I guess, the opposite of blue skying would be gray skying. And yeah. being like, oh, this is this would be a, a really bad thing to happen to be to being like a thing where people were like, y'all know this is happening like right now. Anyway. She makes another like couple of phone calls setting up her travel at night. Uh-huh. Uh, leaving and arriving at night, please. Yeah. And then we see her packing books. A lot of books. Book porn. Oh, her name in it, uh, when, she, when she makes her reservation for the tickets, is uh, Fibonacci. Ah, uh, yeah. The mathematician, and maybe he was also a scientist. Yeah, he was on Lost. But no, yeah, fam- <laughs> famous for the uh, Fibonacci sequence, which was used on Lost, including the little intro music. Real quick, the definition of the Fibonacci sequence is that each number... Uh, in the sequence is the sum of the two before Numbers it. preceding it. Yeah. Um, just so everybody knows, that's the Fibonacci one. But it's, yeah. Uh, so apparently it's heavily ingrained into the Tool album Lateralus. Okay. A couple of different ways. And also apparently something about reordering the tracks to fit the Fibonacci sequence. They still flow into each other like... They, oh. Like they would, okay. If that was like the as though that were the original sequence or whatever, okay. But also the first song, which would stay the first song, uh, even though it would be reordered. There's a thing about the syllables. It uses the Fibonacci sequence of syllables huh. um, for the lyrics, and it's also a, the song itself is about being born, mm-hmm. and it's a whole because it's tool. There's a lot going on. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. But I remember reading that and being like, "Fuck, really? I, I like that album too. I gotta. This is a, a whole new dimension that I have to appreciate this with." And yet, no Tool songs in this whole movie. In this, no. I feel like Jim Jarmusch probably wouldn't like Tool. Maybe he likes them. I don't know. But yeah, she has a lot of uh, uh, Tilda is packing all her books and seemingly only Not books. All, but well, she's packing she's, all books. Yeah, she's packing all books. She's being fairly selective, considering she's got, like, stacks and stacks and stacks. Yeah. Did and I mention that she had um, Infinite Jest? Yes. I think well, I did. I mean, I And uh, I believe I also Don Quixote was in there, and I... Oh, yeah, Don Quixote was. And I believe a book on Basquiat. Uh, probably. 
Um, and then there were a couple of other like fairly famous ones, but with titles printed in Arabic or uh, other languages. So, sure. Yeah. You know. Um, is she filling two two bags? They're both carry on size. Like yeah, they make a reference to that later. Like they don't travel with luggage. Per yeah, se. They carry on only. Just yeah. carry on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess then you don't ever have to get held up at the airport waiting for your package, and then the dreaded sun rises and yeah. you're dead. Or um, it might make it easier to go through customs. Um, oh, maybe. And it might make it so that there's less questions asked about who you are and what your stuff is. I guess, yeah. Then I guess it's a couple of, it's a day later or something, or two, a few days later, and Anton... Yeah, shows up with uh, the wooden bullet. The wooden bullet. It's not the woods delisted, but it's something else that's very hard. I didn't write it down. Oh, is that true? Yeah, I forget exactly what the whole line is, but it's like, he couldn't get you whatever, so it's this thing. And does that still work for you? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. And I think also, once again, he was like, you know, like uh, Anton gave him the common name. And oh, right. Tom he's like, oh, it's whatever wood. And he's like, oh, it's Glorgan, Glorgus, yeah. Glorban, Borgen. Yeah. Oh, which is Latin. something Latin. Okay, that'll be fine, too. Yeah. It's a lot of name dropping in this. Yeah. It's sized to fit his 35 that he already has. Yeah, which they established in that first scene, like... Yeah. Because he's like, I need a, a, a special bullet. And he's like, oh, didn't I already get you bullets for your gun? Yeah, and he's like... He's yeah. like, yeah, I, it's, I want it to be that size, but it needs to be wood. Yeah. 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 So he loads the gun, and he puts it to his chest, and then he just... He sort of goes like, all right, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, he this goes... Is... He goes... With he's his like, face. Yeah, he goes, this is a yeah. possibility. Yeah. Mopey bastard. Yeah. So, you know, way, way to invite your wife over yeah when you're gonna kill yourself i mean what better time uh-huh. Although i guess he didn't really invite her over she just kind of was like i'm coming yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. come to detroit and he was like yeah. All right. yeah he just didn't tell her no i feel like you don't argue with tilda swinton at all in not only ever. in person yeah. but in also in any role she's ever played yeah so you just sort of go like all right yeah and yeah she gets a taxi to his house in the yeah. deleted scene, she talk, She speaks uh, to the driver in Arabic, but in the actual film, she just pulls out the thing. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, it doesn't really add anything except to help establish that she is extremely learned. Yeah. You know, like... Well, and also, you see her reading in Arabic and in Japanese and in... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we don't. We don't see her reading in these things. We well, see her opening... books we in. see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we see her opening these books and touching pages well and she's also paging through them uh within the conventions of how these languages are read so for all of the romance languages she's going left right. and right top to I bottom under- I under- yeah. japanese is top to bottom right to left arabic is uh right to left top to bottom but like going across whereas japanese goes up and down so i mean like they're you know i understand yeah. she's just like touching a page touching the next page turning pages first it sort of seems like she's just perusing them to see if they're the books she wants Mm -hmm. but as it goes on as the film goes on she and maybe i think adam as well you said you weren't sure um they i think they both have uh psychometry which is the ability to touch an object and glean information from it yeah and then I was like, oh, I don't actually remember in the guitar scene if he's touching the guitars before he 
Oh, he does, um, but... If he touches them before he, like, knows all that information about them, or if he just... Yeah. Because yeah, he also, know. he picks up one of them and he's playing and he's like, I'm going to call this one whomever. Yeah. And Anton Yelchin says, like, oh, it's a, it's a male? Because, like, the convention of naming things after women. Yeah. Your boats and your guitars and your hunting rifles and whatever. Car. Car. But... He's like, oh, it's a, it's a male? And he goes, this one is. And so now, thinking back on that, I was like, oh, I wonder if that he's reading... Oh, it's got different energy or something. Yeah, or something. Or maybe he could even tell if the tree was male or female Oh, wow, or that's... I, I hadn't thought of that. I thought meant... I, th- I was thinking more like, yeah, yeah, like, like masculine or feminine energy or aura, like he's reading... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a botanist, but I think some trees are male and female, and some are hermaphroditic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, don't I mean, I know, know. I know plants as a whole. Like, there's uh, there's a lot of hermaphroditic plants, but I have no idea about trees specifically. Yeah, I think it depends on the species of tree. I also don't know what trees are used to make guitars. Yeah. So Fair that's enough. a whole rabbit yeah. hole of research to do. Yeah. Like I said, I hadn't thought of that. That's an interesting angle. Yeah. Um, I was just. Uh, yeah, I was more getting like yeah. maybe. Maybe his guitar actually is a male. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all right. All right. Anyway, <laughs> that's a whole thing. I'm but also almost positive I'm overthinking it. I I thought it was a uh, like I said, a reading energy, reading aura, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Once Tilda arrives there, you know. Oh man, the reunion scene's great. It it is great. Um, it's... he he meets her outside and he carries her little you know her two pieces of carry on in and then like she stands in the doorway and he. He does a little, like, bow, and then, like, gestures for her to come in, and she yeah. can, you know, so then she can enter. Well, also, even when they're, like, embracing and kissing before we even go inside the house, yeah. it's a little raw. Yeah. But then it's, you know, sort of juxtaposed with this very courtly entrance yeah. that they make. Yeah, they sort of both, like, the bow their heads. It's this, like, ritual-y yeah. thing. He yeah. takes her gloves off yeah. as she's entering and puts them with his, because that's another convention is usually if they're outside like out of the house they're usually wearing sunglasses and gloves so and that's what i was going with the um mm-hmm. psychometry yes is you and i had to debate whether they both had it or she just has because she definitely has it 100 percent. and i yeah. think he might but just not either not be as good at it as she is or just not as you know receptive because well, so- he hands her a guitar and he's like hey check out this i think it's a gibson um, and he's like, I, he's like, I know it's old, but I've never been able to properly date it. Yeah. And she goes, oh, this is lovely, you know. I think she's like 1905 Yeah, or 1905. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, like whatever. So maybe she's just more sensitive to it than he yeah. is. Well, also there's implications in the dialogue that she's older. She is, definitely. Um, we just don't know necessarily how much. There's a cut scene mm-hmm. where he says that her people were druids. Yeah. Celtic druids. Right. And she, uh, he's asking her in this cutscene about um, Stonehenge, and she goes, "Well, we didn't build, you know, Stonehenge, but we we just used it once it was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was built by whomever, however, and that's yeah. the whole thing." But he's only a couple hundred years old, and she makes a couple of references to that, being like, "Well, you know, you've only had to deal with this for so long, that kind of thing." When they actually do talk about when they were married, it's June twenty third, eighteen sixty eight. So they would have been married for about one hundred and forty five years. Yeah, they just have, you know, there's a lot of the two of them just, like, shooting the shit and talking about 
I mean, to sound like everybody's college roommate talking about nothing and everything, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. They're talking about the nature of the universe, the state of the world, various, you know, interesting factoids here and there. At some point she says something about like, oh, you know, one of your heroes. Oh, she says, I was, uh, I was in that cafe in Tangier with, uh, with your hero, Kit Marlowe. Uh-huh. And he's like, I don't have any heroes. Right. Um, which he keeps saying throughout the movie, but clearly A, not true. And then B, probably a, you know, an expression of his depression. Yeah. Um, and just like, I don't have any, like there's, I don't, I don't believe in anything. That kind of thing. I'm just like, I'm sad. Yeah. Cause he's got pictures of a lot of people. He's there's got a, a great collection. There's a great shot uh, of his, like, I guess, study wall, which is just like, it is jam packed, uh, frame to frame, basically with all these like f- photos and portraits of people. Which again, you can find a list on the internet. Oh, can you? Cause I recognized a bunch, but not everybody. Yeah. Um, especially, uh, some of them are of, uh, people that, uh, had worked on previous, uh, Jarmish, uh, Oh, you films. mean, you mean like Iggy pop? Yeah. I saw Iggy. Yeah. Um, and Neil Young, I believe I saw as well. Maybe. Um, I, f- I forget exactly. Who did the music for Dead Man, but okay. I, don't, I don't believe he's appeared in anything. All right. Yeah, I mean. There's also, like, a pain, a portrait of, like, Kit Marlowe. And yeah. there's, you know, um, like, Mark Twain, and I don't yeah. know who else. But it's like, yeah, yeah. It's not all musicians. No, but I'm saying, like, yeah, it's, it's musicians, it's scientists, it's authors, it's, you know, a lot of different people. Yeah, from across t- history. Yeah, although in terms of, like, people that Jim Jarmusch worked with on other projects, a lot of it is musicians. Yeah, yeah. At some point, there's a line uh, implying that Adam, not implying, but saying that Adam wrote for Franz Schubert. Yeah. And he was saying that he wanted to publish some stuff under his own name before, and then kind of trails off with the implication of before I kill myself. Yeah. He takes uh, he takes her for a drive. Yeah. Uh, night driving. He suggests they go see the Motown Museum, and he goes, it's not really much to look at from the outside, though, because yeah. it's the fucking middle of the night, and they can't actually go sightseeing, because nothing's open. Yeah. And I thought that's actually really funny and kind of sad. Well, and, that's, but that's, she, that's she, like if somebody came to Philly, and it's like, yeah, we're going to go to the Liberty Bell. Okay, you get to look at it from the sidewalk, because it yeah. closed the gates at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck, if, even if you go into the thing, you can't get that close anymore. Yeah, it's true. Because that asshole attacked yeah. it with a hammer. I believe that was actually the second time it got attacked with a hammer. Yeah. But, I mean, that was the one where they were like, okay, for real this time. Yeah. A velvet rope isn't stopping anybody, yeah. so I guess we'll actually put it in a safer place. Yep. Yep. This is why we can't have nice things. Nope. It was already cracked. Yeah. Don't fuck it up more. <laughs> so, she, when after he suggests the Motown Museum, and he's uh-huh. like, but we can't really. She goes, oh, that's fine. I'm really more of a Stax girl. Which... Yeah. Stax is a, they were a competing record label at the time. Yeah. Uh, and they had uh, Alex Chilton. Um, oh. Famously the Stax artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of great artists, but that's that's one that I know you like. Yeah. But yeah, and uh, takes her to Jack White's Jack house. Jack White's house. Uh, another collaborator of Jarvis's. Indeed. Uh, and Detroit local. Indeed. Uh, and just coincidentally, you know, rock royalty. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, I want to show you this. This is pretty cool. And then, yeah, it's just like, that's Jack White's house. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's where he was born. It's where he grew up. I don't think Jack White gets as much shade thrown at him for his fashion choices. but Not yet. I mean, wait till he's a harmless 70-year-old man yeah. and some fucking young Turk on the internet is going to be like, 
Er, did you see his, I don't know, hat or whatever the fuck? He's fat now, or whatever the fuck. And it's like... His pants don't have any of the cool rings that ours do. <laughs> yeah. Who goes out without rings, am I right? His Utila kilt doesn't even have any zero-G chips. Yeah. I'm guessing at what future fashion is like. Yeah, you think the kilts have caught on. Alright. Yeah, there's a lot more, you know, uh, uh, uh... Scottish people? No, um, <laughs> fashion androgyny. I see. It's not new for fashion, but no. it's more popular oh, now. Actually, yeah, some of the, like, Oscars and Met, like, men's ball gowns are fucking fierce. Oh, yeah, now? Yeah. Yeah. In Incredible. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot more um, freedom fashion-wise with yeah. that. And I feel like that'll catch on because it just makes sense and is way more comfortable. Yeah. Like, Philadelphia, where we record, we get a, uh, and South Philadelphia specifically, gets a lot of shit for, like, everybody in South Philadelphia wears shorts 99% of the year. And it's like, yeah, because, like, it's more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Long pants get hot. Yeah. And, you know, socks and all that, it sucks. But kilts, nice, breezy. I will say... Throw, easier to regulate temperature. Throwing on, like, a summer dress yeah. is, like, the easiest thing because it's cool. And also, I don't have to find matching things. Yeah. It matches itself. Well, if you had a utility kill, you still have to match. Yeah. Because it, it would be like... That's I mean, true. Getting closer. Yeah, for your basic bitch dudes, it would be like, I'm throw on my, my Flyers jersey and my utility kill. It's orange and black, bro. Gotta represent. I bleed orange and black. Going all the way to Stanley Cup. Gritty's the best. Gritty City. Gritty yeah. City. That'd be what it takes to put it over. Gritty oh. shows up in a utility kilt. Everyone's like, yo, dude, I'm fucking buying one. Or if you could only buy, instead of making Gritty t-shirts, if they only made Gritty utility kilts, everybody in Philly would have utility kilts. I feel like you need to start a, a letter-writing campaign. I don't actually have a dog in this fight, because <laughs> I don't really, I mean, like... I've worn dresses. It's fine. I'm totally a fan. Your dad would... didn't even think you were gay because he's a musician too. Yeah, my yeah. dad. My, dad, my dad's like, right on. Yeah. <laughs> I guess predictably, neither of my parents at all questioned my, you know, sexual identity or gender identity. They were just like, he's whatever he is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also feel like you were up to more trouble semantics that yeah. that time that you guys were replacing that light fixture and you. Pretend to hang yourself before your mom came home. The old Harold Maud. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Oh, also, Kitchen Shock Light. Oh, yeah. Kitchen Shock Light was a very fun period of time in my life that I probably can never revisit because I'm probably too old to safely do that. You want to explain that? There was a, uh, a kitchen light in, in my kitchen, as you that's where you put them. I don't know. It had like a nylon cord like hanging from the ceiling, but it had like a pulley system where you could lower it. Okay. Over years of use, um, the cord kind of got frayed. Yes. The dome over the light itself was metal. And I guess that basically made the light a low level like taser or something, a, a joy buzzer. And I found this out once while I was on the phone. I had a landline next to the sink. I was on the phone, and my friend was swinging the light at me to mess with me. I grabbed the light to stop it from swinging, and then I went to hang the phone up and touch the phone, thereby grounding myself, because mm-hmm. the hang-up-y thing on the phone was metal. Mm-hmm. And I got a mild electric shock, which made me, I'm sure, uh, yelp like Homer Simpson. And then we realized you could do that all the time. And then we realized that you could do it by touching the metal sink. So then I would have people come over, and we would all be drinking and whatever and i'd be like 
hey, you want to see something fun? You don't have a heart condition, right? Come in the kitchen. And then um, we'd all wash our hands. I'd be like, you got to wash your hands. And everybody'd be like, okay, cool. We're going to touch something or I don't know. And I'd be like, all right, hold, hold hands. And then I had like compatriots who had done this a few times. We sort of all fell into position. Uh-huh. And somebody would hold the end of the line near the sink. And somebody would like be touching the light. And then we'd get a third person to flip the light on. <laughs> um, and then everybody gets a mild electric shock and goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then everybody's, what the fuck was that? And I'm like, shock light, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was also a party where we had a disposable camera and we definitely, whoever was doing the light switch flipping was also trying to time it so they took photos of us getting shot. Oh, God. So I don't know where that roll of film is, but if I find it, it's going to be great. Yeah, this was an era before I knew Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before I knew myself. <laughs> learned a lot that summer. Learned a lot. From Shocklights. Yeah, it's a lot like the end of Stand By Me, except it was about uh, just shocking yourself in the kitchen. So, to Jack White's house. I forgot how we got on a Shocklight, but it doesn't matter. Jack White's house. Oh, that's because Jack White sounds like Shocklight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that old mnemonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After Jack White's house is when we visit the Michigan Theater, which I mentioned. Yeah earlier as an evidence of the moldering nature of Detroit at this time. Yeah. And the decline of uh, culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's a gorgeous structure. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. Now it's ugly as fuck, but... Yeah. Well... It's got good bones, <laughs> as, a, as they say in the house-flipping game. That's because none of the mirrored ceilings are there anymore and everything needs paint and they took out all the seats and just let you drive your cars yeah there's car exhaust (laughs) in it yeah yeah that's not good for a building yeah i think if this is they play they play chess yeah they play chess is she asking him or is he asking her about byron and mary shelley she's asking him at some point in their history you know he they like they spent time apart and he spent some of that time with Byron and Shelley and basically was around for yeah. the creation of Dracula and Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, it's a fun thing. Yeah, because, I mean, historically, there was, like, a whole... I mean, a lot of writers congregate together. Yeah, we so, tend to. You know. Because we're lonely individuals. And also, before the internet, we all crave some kind of feedback. We just want somebody to tell us that it's good. Yeah. Hey, I wrote this thing called The Modern Prometheus... It's real weird. It's about a dead body that gets reanimated, and um, well, also, is it good? Apocryphally, wasn't wasn't that story created because they were gonna all tell each other ghost stories yeah, the, or something like that? It, it, all the great what would be termed like horror, gothic horror stories can be traced back to depending on what you hear or believe, either one specific like weekend or one specific event, or a like series a of, writer's yeah. night kind of like we get together every couple of weeks uh and tell each other ghost stories that kind of thing yeah and then, so i've heard both i grew up hearing like they got together on a saturday and wrote dracula and frankenstein and who the fuck knows you know yeah all in, a, in, in an evening and i'm just like oh writing's not that hard <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay you hang out with some friends have some drinks near a lake write a ghost story turns into frankenstein great that sounds easy but then, I, as I got older, I heard a, a different version that was like, it was a regular sort of like, yeah. I mean, apparently writing near a lake is helpful. It must be. Because <laughs> I've never done it, and I haven't written shit. So, 
I feel like uh, it's probably my problem. No lakes. Steve, Stephen King's up in Maine. That's got a shit ton of lakes. It does I've been at lakes, but I never tried to write near one. Yeah. So that's my problem. Walden. <laughs> famously. Yeah, famously lake oriented. <laughs> Pretty lake centric work. Well, yeah. yeah. Great sure. Gatsby's got a lake in it. I don't know if it was written in proximity to a lake. It was inspired by a lake. Also, before anybody clickety-clack emails me, fuck you, I know it's Frankenstein's monster, okay? Like, we're not going to do this. Oh. And technically, if you want to get fucking real specific oh, with it, assholes, you should call it the modern Prometheus. How about that? How about you refer to him as the modern Prometheus? Frankenstein's monster? Oh, you mean the modern Prometheus? You seem a little defensive, darling. It's very annoying that people nitpick that shit. So, yeah, they're playing chess. We're talking about Mary Shelley. Yeah. And stuff. Um, Shelly and Byron and yeah. their ilk. The gang, the Scooby gang, the original Scooby gang. Yeah. I think they also invented Scooby-Doo at a lake. Did they? Yeah, I think Hannah and Barbara were there as well. Uh-huh. William, Barbara, and... Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. That's funny. That's so stupid, it's funny. Ah, uh, alternate history. <laughs> yeah. There's not even a way to make that a button that's funny. No, because there's not a famous William Barbera, otherwise you could just put people's faces. Well, the actual William Barbera is Barbera. Oh, okay. Of Hannah Barbera. Like, oh, those are, those are real guys' names. Oh, like like real... Hall and Oates. I didn't realize you knew his actual name. Yeah, I, I thought you it's... were just throwing that out there. No, I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, oh, okay. Maybe it's William Hannah and... Joseph Barbera? I have no idea. I thought you were goofing. Hannah <laughs> Barbera. Joseph Barbera, William Hannah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were goofing. That's why I was goofing. I got it right the second time. I'm actually impressed with that. Yeah. Yeah. If you can <laughs> think of a funny Barbera, then... Oh, man. Fucking local flavor. Gary gonna, Barbera Dodgeland. That's the only thing I can <laughs> That's think of. That's the only one I can think of. So it's just that bear? Yeah, it's the bear and Daryl Hannah. <laughs> Here. I think we just won the award for most fucking inscrutable button. <laughs> Is that Daryl Hannah and a cartoon bear of some sort? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you don't like Scooby-Doo? Oh, because it's Barbera. Oh, dude, for real? Did that's you just have probably, a breakthrough? That's probably why it's a bear. <laughs> Did you just have a breakthrough? I, I didn't. I mean... Oh, is this what therapy feels like? Uh, yeah, good for you. actually it kind of is. It's kind of what therapy feels like. You're making good progress. Here's oh, a sticker. I did hate my mother. <laughs> Shit. Thanks, Gary Barbera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a free plug for Gary Barbera. Ah. Uh, but also, he will not want it. Woo. Woo. They're playing chess. Oh, yeah. Tilda, Tilda Eve goes to the fridge. Yeah, she, uh, she pulls she's up. like, I have a surprise for you. And she goes to open the fridge, and that's when he's like, oh, that doesn't work. She's like, it does. I plugged it in. Yeah. <laughs> which I, it's still really funny. You see that the fridge is full of books. Full of books which I was like, I don't know if that's her storing stuff in there, or if he just, because it didn't work, so he just filled it with books. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Could, could be either one. I feel like she'd take better care of hers and wouldn't have put them in. Although I guess So haphazardly. I guess cold wouldn't really be a problem. It's just moisture. Yeah. But yeah. Cold is fine. They got books in cold places. Well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to imply that any... To all of our Alaskan listeners, yeah. Allison clearly and thinks it, you're illiterate. And, yeah, any people in Finland don't read. Like, no. So they're playing chess and uh, Tilda says, I have a surprise for you. She goes to the fridge, opens it up, full of books, and then she opens up the ice tray and she pulls out two popsicles. Yeah. 
that are blood. <laughs> yeah. He goes, what is that? <laughs> and she goes, it's blood. And he's like, blood on a steak. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it's quite refreshing. <laughs> um, I just like, I like all their interactions. Like, the, uh, I think then she proceeds to beat him. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Chess. She keeps asking him while they're playing chess. She's like, how was, you know, and, and what was Shelly like and Byron and whatever. And he's like, you need to stop talking. Yeah. He's like, I'm trying to focus. She's like, oh, sorry. Just thought I'd ask. And he's like, stop it. You know. And then she gives him the, the popsicle and, and she's like, it's quite refreshing. And he's like, yeah. And he like takes like a bite of it or a lick or whatever. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. And she goes, especially when you're in a hot situation or something like that yeah. and then she goes checkmate and then she gets up and walks away from the table and he's like you're ruthless you're brutal <laughs> and then he like sits there pondering the lollipop <laughs> mm, yeah so then uh after that is when they go out back to uh fix um, yeah the power goes out the power goes out i want to talk a little bit about his generator thing so it's housed underground in like a little secret compartment he kind of does like a look around to make sure nobody's watching and then he opens it up and it kind of just looks like an old vacuum cleaner um, yeah. and, and a bunch of other like circuitry and bits and bobs because he's a scrapper it's a was it tinker punk uh yeah and she looks on the wall and she's like, oh, are these the antenna? Because yeah. he makes a comment. He's like, look at this and shows the like junction box for, I guess, the neighborhood. Yeah. Of like all the different. All the different electrical wires, wires and, stuff, yeah. and things. And how inelegant it is. Yeah. And he's like zombie design work or something. Yeah. And she goes, wait, is that even connected to anything? And he's like, no, I disconnected a long time ago. And then he like looks around and opens up his secret. Hatch. Un- of- yeah. His underground. Yeah. And. Yeah. Of his various tinker punk. Yeah, uh, which he says is based on a design of Teslas, and she she goes, "Oh, are these the antenna?" And they're it's like two like unassuming little small things on the side of the building, mm-hmm. and uh, he goes, "Yep." And you know she's like, "Oh, they're gathering not energy, but they're gathering something yeah. from the atmosphere." Yeah. And he goes, "Yep," and converting it to energy. That's when he implies it's a it's a Tesla's design. Mm-hmm. Because that was Tesla's whole thing was oh, that yeah. the globe was encircled in energy and we could harness it to do anything yeah. at any time. So uh, we'd basically have a clean yep. energy that's inexhaustible. Yeah. Yeah. I think after this is when he dresses up to go out again. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, are we playing doctors? Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, I gotta run an errand. She sort of like goes, not snooping, but wandering around the house. This is the shot of his like wall of heroes. She also finds his bullet. Nothing much comes of that immediately. Yeah. Like she just, she picks it up and touches it and it's just like, oh. Well, she goes, oh, it's new. Yeah. Which kind of makes it more pressing that like, oh, he's been thinking about this recently. Right. And not that it's just something he he had this, he had this made recently. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Which is like just confirming what she kind of already knew. Yeah. But he hasn't actively said. Yeah. But I mean, like, it is like teenage angst level of his depression. Yeah, like you you mentioned earlier, him being like, I just maybe wanted to release something under my name before. And sort of trailing off. And it's very like, before what, Jimmy? Just go ahead and say it. You know, like, throw myself off a bridge. Because I'm sad. Yeah. I think she confronts him about it and stuff, and, you know, he, like, knocks it out of her hand. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, that whole, I believe that's the altercation, sort of where they end up dancing to 
a soul song. We also... Which is, uh, by the way, it's Trapped in a Thing Called Love by Denise LaSalle. Yeah. It's a good song. Um, I never heard it before, before seeing this movie, but I like it. Eve finally admits that she's been dreaming about Ava, which apparently everybody else has too, which yeah. I, didn't, I didn't necessarily write down. No, so... John um, Hurt says, that I dreamed about your sister, and then Adam talks about he has had a dream and so no it was, it's john hurt first yeah, yeah initially back in tangier then it's eve no it's adam and then eve's the final one to admit that she too had had that dream i thought oh i thought it was him because they're having their conversation about the giant diamond uh-huh um some somewhere there's a star that the heart of it the core of it is a essentially a giant diamond that is like ringing with the sound of a gong because of the magnetic tides i'm not sure it's basically space magic but it's real and science can confirm it i remember reading about this thing when or shortly after i saw this the first time huh and it's a real thing and yeah it basically is space magic which proves once again space magic exists space magic but yeah Space magic is real. It's called science. Magic is also real. It's called magic. It's fine. Uh-huh. These are things I believe. That's the other thing, too, is Eve throws around the word alchemist a lot. Yeah, when she you, sees his usually, engine, she refers yeah. to him as some kind of something alchemist. Yeah. Oh, you're a wonderful alchemist or something. Yeah. yeah. Early on when they have this conversation where he's talking about how he doesn't have any heroes, he throws out, he's like, you know, just listing scientists that he used to idolize who were... Oh, yeah. Derided um, and ridiculed and imprisoned and, you know, sent to the poorhouse and stuff for their beliefs that turned out to be true. Uh, I mean, every, Galileo, Copernicus, who the fuck, you know, everybody. That's his kind of justification for I don't have heroes. Mm-hmm. Is because, like, all the people I admire were, like, seen as madmen or whatever. But it doesn't really, that doesn't really make a sense to me. Yeah. Like, I don't have heroes because, you know, they were all ridiculed. I don't get that as a through yeah. line. It's sad when people aren't appreciated in their time, but that doesn't negate their contributions no. or cheapen it in any way. It just means that. No, I can't wait till several. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait till several hundred years after our deaths when everybody's talking about the best podcast that ever existed <sighs> and on. most important, which is this one. Is that going to come off as too brash? Please tell your readers that he's being charmingly self-effacing. Readers? Yeah. What, like the uh, Onion AV Club's weekly Sh- podcast roundup? Sure. That's a thing. Oh. <laughs> our, well, I appreciate our, that you were just, like, yes-ending me. Are we on that? Probably not. Okay. I think they started that when there were, like, five podcasts in the world, and now there's, like, a Brazilian, which is a bazillion, but with an accent. Uh-huh. It's a bazillion, but it's got a danceable beat. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking it comes with a mango. It's uh, a little Portuguese. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the main language. I know. Yeah. I know stuff about Brazil. I don't know that much. I know a little bit. Yeah, actually, I know they speak Portuguese. And I know... Uh... Jeff Bezos is from there. What? That's the Amazon. Oh, I see. <laughs> Throw all my books and uh, DVDs. So, in my head, I was like, wait, is Bezos a Portuguese last name? (laughs) Yes. Is he actually from Brazil? He didn't seem like he'd be. I'm actually not sure at all. (laughs) Have you never seen him in a press conference? Hola. Me amo Jeff Bezos. You don't speak Portuguese. No, I don't. (laughs) I speak some Spanish. I know. And I do a passable Antonio Banderas impression. Yeah. It's me, the Claritin B. 
<laughs> yeah, of all the things, I went with the Claritin. I know, <laughs> as opposed to like the other time that he was a vampire. Yeah, or Puss in Boots. Not the other time, like the time he was a vampire. I should he, say. He's got to played a vampire more than once, no? I mean, definitely Interview with a Vampire. That's yeah. the big one. That's what you're referencing. But yeah. like, I feel like he definitely did it again, right? I don't know. No, I guess not. He was in Desperado. Yeah. But he wasn't in From Dust Till Dawn, so he didn't play a no. vampire. He was Zorro. He was Zorro. Who was kind of nocturnal, but as far as I could tell, he was not a vampire. Right, he was Zorro, who was the inspiration for Batman. Yeah. Who at one point was a vampire. Oh, uh, that was such a terrible thing. Oh, it was. Oh. But, no. Well, maybe not. Assassins? No. The movie's great, though. Puss in Boots? Maybe. Uh-huh. There might be a story where Puss in Boots is briefly a vampire. I don't think it's so. It's all magic-y bullshit over there. I don't think so, buddy. It's the far, far away or whatever. I don't think so. Dude, that, sh- that, that, that Puss in Boots TV show was on Netflix for six seasons. And we didn't watch a single one. No, not one, but... It what seems do you like think in, they're filling those six seasons with? I'm guessing at least vampire one... Vampire Puss in Boots. One vampire Puss in Boots episode. So yes, everybody's been dreaming of Ava. And she shows up. Yep, she sure do. Yeah, Ava is played by... They Mia, return... I can't do her name. Mia Wasikowska, Was- I'll say. Yeah. Adam and Eve return to Adam's place and... She's already in there. Yeah, from outside, the lights are on, and she's already inside. Music's playing, and they come in, and she's, like, draped across the couch. They do make mention that it's very bad luck to cross a threshold. Uninvited. Uninvited, yeah. Ava makes a comment. She's like, that's a superstition, or don't be superstitious. What are you, are you still afraid of garlic? So we're further world building. Yeah. In a very real way. Yeah. In a way that didn't feel heavy-handed. In fact, like, you didn't even catch the garlic thing right no i didn't hear that i think i was already writing stuff yeah i just like i really like the little bit of world building and and stuff in this movie yeah because it makes you want to know more even when the movie's over i'm like i'm so interested in this vampire couple of things they cut address even more of the mythology and i think they were smart cuts to make because yeah you don't need less is more yeah 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 she mentioned she came in from la and zombie central is what uh yeah is what Adam refers to it as. Yeah, and he's trying to kick her out because he's like, you can't stay here he after the last time. Oh, yeah, which... he says, she says, it was 87 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> which I was like, you can hold a grudge for 87 years? Same. Yeah. <laughs> we never really find out what the heck she did last time. Just yeah, no. she's generally a train no. wreck. Yeah, and like you get an idea that this is, I mean, it's, it's junky behavior. It's yeah. like your your cousin or your niece or your, you know, brother or your brother-in-law or whatever who kind of has a, a substance problem or a, a manipulative streak. Yeah. And they just show up when they need money or a place to crash. Right. And it's that kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, my next note just says, Ava is a huge pain in my ass. Yeah. Well, She's a brat. She is. Um, so, okay, she's, when yeah, you she, add in... when you in, add in, she's like, do you have any food? Yes, when you yeah. add in her manipulative, I only show up when I need something vibe yeah. that she definitely has in spades to the drugs kind of vibe of the blood, you know, the mildly narcotic visual language we get from it. Yeah, cause she's constantly asking for more. She's drinking it too fast. Yeah. You know. And they're, you know, they're like, just sip she it. She wants like, to see where you're keeping it. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, this is all the kind of thing you, you know, 87 years ago, there's shared history. Like, you get the vibe. This is probably what happened. Yeah. She showed up or was there or whatever. Maybe that was when she was sired. Who the fuck knows? But while they could all 
just fucking get a little stoned from time to time and have a good night and have these like intellectual conversations and put on some records and dance and fucking appreciate fine cinema and read books by touching them (laughs) and whatever she was like no i want more blood i want to get more fucked up i'm not high enough and then you're like we're not playing catch up and we're also we're a little high and don't want to have to babysit a really high person that's no fun you know things obviously came to a head and they either kicked her out or split yeah and now she's back or found them because again we don't know well also even like her choice of geography is yeah she went to la yeah it's much more central in terms of its location um well it's on the west coast that's not central anything no but i mean like it's a city that's not necessarily like really close to a large body of water surrounded by one it's you know pretty landlocked it's got a ton of highways connecting it to all the rest of the state how far is la from like the coast it looks like uh looking at the the bounds of los angeles there are parts of it that touch the water oh okay but it's surrounded on three and four fifth sides like three and a half sides yeah by land yeah and also she went to a place that is more populous and also more transient Famously. Yeah. Although, also, it's a state known for sun. Too much sun. You would figure it would be a bad place for vampires. You'd maybe, that's true. You'd maybe but, want to be hanging out in, like, Alaska or Oslo or something. Well, that's the that's the common thing, the conceit with vampirism of, like, they want to be us. Uh-huh. Vampires as a modern metaphor for, like, foreigners. Mm-hmm immigrants like they want to take over our space which is the daytime you know like but in traditional vampire lore that's not really a thing they don't really want that vampires as a thing they just they're they're another species they hunt at night they're out at night they're nocturnal you know like we're not out here um in films and stuff being like bats they want to be us you know foxes (laughs) all these nocturnal moths they want to be humans yeah, it's, but so, you know, you'd figure uh, you'd want a place that had uh, better sh- rhythm for... Sure, but L.A., if you're going to be in a place, L.A. has a nightlife. Oh, I guess that's a good point. L.A., of of most of the places, will have, like, the swing in this nightlife. And then she, as we will learn, she could probably feed unfettered. Yeah. And then just dispose of bodies. Because, as you were saying, transient, people go missing all the time. Yeah. It's not a bad place to be a vampire. Yeah. Unless Blade's around. Uh-huh. He'll fuck his shit up. Was he operating out of California? I think the third one is in California for sure. Okay. The first one, I think, is Chicago. So I think the comic character's all over the place. Okay. And he, like, pops up in a lot of New York shit because Marvel. Yeah. But I think the first movie, I think, was in Chicago. Hmm. I thought. Eve, at least <clears throat> for a while, clearly wants... She thinks maybe Ava can be like course corrected yeah and handled and be like no 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 like and then she does a lot of like stroking her hair and being like no no no, calm everything's cool just just relax and she's also trying to manage adam who the entire time is just like the fuck is she doing here like at all times yeah (laughs) because they're both big babies (laughs) because they are they're both big babies and they need attention and you know also ava needs more stimulation she's yeah. constantly bitching about being bored she's yeah. a she's I'm a bored. petulant can, kid yeah can i touch your guitars no can i listen to your music no that yeah no. which is just him being a dick yeah like, i heard some in the los angeles clubs so i've already heard it so it's not a big deal but like and he's like really because yeah his music's been leaking yeah and he's like 
Because he's, he, yeah. you can tell that, and it's a credit to yeah. Tom Hiddleston's performance. He's equally thrilled and annoyed. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he keeps on telling Anton to like get people to stay the fuck away from him. Yeah, he's like, I don't want anybody to know where I am and whatever. But he's also, yeah, he's putting out music. Yeah, why? I thought that it wasn't that he was putting it out, but that uh, Anton was maybe like making deals about it. I wasn't sure if like he was supposed to be leaking it in yeah. a controlled way or if he That's was the thing doing is, it. I'm not 100% volition. sure either, but from Tom Hiddleston's reaction, I couldn't tell if that was a thing he was like 100% opposed to because he also is talking about like he's thinking about releasing stuff under his own name. And, yeah. Oh, maybe it's like that Anton just kind of pulled the trigger. The spoilers on the end of this scene is that they end up going to into town. To a club. Yeah, to a club and dancing and... Well, mostly they're... they're Listening uh, to a band. Mostly, yeah, they're watching, um, what are they called, White Hills? Something like that, I think that. they're called White yeah. Hills. They're a real band. Yeah. I think. <laughs> and they're hanging out. Anton and, slash Ian is there. Yeah, and um, a guy... he They're passing around a flask. He can't have from the flask. Yeah. yeah. At one point... I, man, I love... I, I really... I really miss Anton Yelchin. Yeah. I like he was such a he's such a good and uh really talented actor. But yeah, he's really great in that scene cuz he's just like, "Oh, that's cool. That's cool." Like, you think I think I get a hit off that? And uh that's when we see vamp- vampire speed. Yeah. Which is <laughs> Tom Hiddleston just like whoosh, and like grabs that fucking flask and it's already under the table before like yeah. he can, you know, really process it. And he's like, "Oh, man, that was some like martial arts thing." He's like, "It's cool. It's cool. Uh, you know, you don't want to share. That's cool." All right. <laughs> it's just such a good Good performance. Yep. A guy kind of makes eyes at Hiddleston from the floor of the club. They're, they're kind of sitting in a booth or at a table in the back, kind of. Yeah. Ian sees him, and he goes over and talks to the guy, and, you know, and they do, like, an exchange where Ian gives him a record that's all black, no printing on the sleeve, no nothing. It doesn't have a label. It's just, like, solid black. Yeah. And that's, I think, what you were... I wasn't sure if that deal was kosher or not. Yeah, and that's the thing is I feel like... Hiddleston. Yeah, saw it this time. He definitely saw it and has to know that's up, but doesn't seem mad about it at all. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, maybe it's like a, because like he's only complained about them finding out where he lives. So maybe yeah. it was like, listen, you put the music out, like do it low key. Yeah. Like give it to people, whatever. But like, I don't want anybody knowing who I am or asking for interview. Like maybe it was just that. Right. Yeah. That's very possible. But yeah. And that, that all comes back to her line about like, oh, I've heard some of it in clubs in LA and he's kind of like, what? Yeah. But yeah, he's equally happy and really pissed off about it. <laughs> Fucking people listen to my music. But he's also like, oh, cool, people listen to my music. Yeah. Because he's a baby. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's such a petulant, like, little, he's not petulant. He's just a whiny baby. She's petulant. There's actually a line in the movie. Um, I think it's Eve talking to Marlo. Yeah. Where she mentions that Adam seems like a little depressed. And she's like, I blame... Byron and Shelley and that gang yeah uh, that he was hanging out with yeah <laughs> which is very funny to me yeah that there are two more roasts and that it's lasted centuries yeah that it like and <laughs> and it's you know yeah again looking at it through a human lifespan it's like yeah of course you're depressed you read all this shit in high school like yeah if you you know if you read some fucking Judy Bloom, you might be a little more you know a little more upbeat maybe some goosebumps the art you take in uh, affects how you view the world you know yeah the way you think of things yeah you're filtering every new experience through past experiences so yeah which is why i like the setup for our show 
we have a lot of divergent opinions. Well, di- divergent opinions, but also inputs. We, you know, yeah. like we're not a just action movie podcast or a vampire movie podcast or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, but there's a lot to draw from. Yeah, and you know, the more episodes we record we i find us you know referencing back to it's kind of like this thing from this other movie that we've already covered yeah and i don't know i just think that's interesting yeah yeah it's widening your uh widening your field of uh broadening your horizons broadening your horizons expanding your paradigm so what happens next they go home anton's still hanging out yeah they they hang out for a while they have you know anton's having a beer they sort of chill for a little bit and then they're like all right that's about, let's call it a night. Yeah, it's nearly morning. We're going to bed. Yeah. And um, Ava's like, well, he's finishing his beer. And she's hanging all over Anton. Yeah. Like, arm, arms around him and stuff. And he's like, to, again, to credit to, to, you know, Anton Yelchin's performance. You can tell he's equally like, oh, cool. Like, pretty, this pretty girl's hanging on me. But he's also like. I don't want to overstep my bounds here. This is my weird, you know, reclusive boss's, I don't know, sister-in-law or other girlfriend. I'm not really sure. Like, you know. Yeah. We don't know how they were introduced or, you right. know, what was so he's explained just like, to him. Yeah. Uh, and, like, uh, before they, before Adam and Eve leave the room, uh, Adam's like, so, Ian, you're leaving soon, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. And he's like, he's got his beer and he's just like, just going to finish my beer. You know, like, he kind of has that face on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they go to sleep. I think this is when we get the coyote cock crow. Maybe. Coyotes. Uh-huh. Cocks of the night. Sure. Um, coy cocks of the night. Is that, that's for you. Yeah, thank you. You're I welcome. like that. That's nice. <laughs> okay, that's a button. Uh, <laughs> Eve's the first up, and she's looking around for Ava, and Ava's not in her bedroom, and... Yeah. We find out that something she, has, she goes in the li- been an incident. She goes in the living room. Ava's passed out across Ian's lap. Uh, Ian is like dead. Yeah, he's slumped back and really blue. Yeah, and he's clearly got a bite on his neck. The Gibson guitar, the 1905 guitar that she had dated, is uh, smashed on the ground. A bunch As of records, records yeah. have been like thrown around, stomped on, you know, shattered and whatever. Things are fucked up. She immediately is like, oh, Ava, what did you do? And she, like, grabs her, starts, like, waking her up. And she's like, uh, what did she say? It just, uh, he she's was, like, just, I, he yeah. was so cute. Yeah, she's like, I, he, I didn't, I didn't mean to kill him or, I don't know, drain well, him or. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Eve goes, like, why didn't you just turn him? Yeah. And she goes, I just couldn't stop. That's what it was. He I was didn't, so couldn't stop. He was so cute. Yeah. It's a bummer. Adam walks in. And they, like, sort of freeze while they're talking and, like, just sort of feel him behind them. And then, like, they look. Yeah. And he's like, you drank Ian. Which is, like, sad and funny. Yeah. And she's like, sorry. And then he says it again more angrily. Like, you drank Ian. You drank Ian. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. And that's like that. that's the last draw. It's the... Oh, yeah, man. They, like... They throw her out. Throw her out man like they push her out on the front porch and then he just throws her luggage like over her head on the lawn yep <laughs> and she's like that's my stuff <laughs> yeah because everybody is super dunzo yeah and uh, they they roll ian up in a rug and uh, yeah they have a whole discussion of like how the fuck do we even do this because they don't usually drink from people anymore it's a lot harder to explain a body these days 
Yeah. You know, she has, like, a line of, like, you know, it's not like we can just throw them in the Thames amongst the... Tubercular. Oh, yeah. The other tubercular people. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's true. Yeah. What a fucking... What an adjustment. Yeah. Like, think about it. Yeah. You get you get turned into a vampire, or you are a vampire, in the, the Middle Ages and, you know, early, early parts of, you know, the century, and you're yeah. just like... I'm, this is this is great. I'm I guess immune to disease unless it's bloodborne, right? Um, I mean, you'd imagine. Who, who knows? Because that's the thing. Yeah, is apparently like uh, Ava's like I feel sick and. You know, yeah. The, what did you expect? He's from the music industry. Yeah. The implication is that maybe he'd been taking intravenous drugs or had some kind of a disease or something like that. And he was drinking was... all night, and they oh, don't. Yeah. They won't. They don't drink. That's true. So that's it true. might it might also be that. But maybe yeah maybe it's just a cumulative like what he has done to his body, you know, because your blood filters, you know, throughout your body. So, yeah, it's a cumulative, like, oh, he drinks all the time, parties, maybe takes some drugs, you know, like, whatever. Maybe he's got STDs. Yeah. So we're talking about, like, back in the day, you know, it, vampire Yeah, stuff. maybe you're largely yeah. immune to diseases. I mean, like... Yeah. Or at least they're not fatal. Yeah. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe you get a tummy ache or you get, you know, whatever. You have uh, a couple days of vampire diarrhea or whatever. Oh, Have you ever seen, you haven't seen Blood for Dracula? No, I haven't. Warhol's uh, crazy fucking vampire movie? No, I haven't. But if uh, vampire diarrhea led you there, I'm pretty sure it's going to have some weird things. It's very weird. Um, Basically in that is the, it's the, Udo Kier is the vampire, by the way. Um, but he, uh, has to, you have to drink virgin's blood because mm-hmm. any other blood, uh, is like disgusting. Uh-huh. So he's like starving at one point and just drinks, um, this one girl's blood and he thinks she's a virgin. It turns out she had recently lost her virginity to like handsome guy, mm-hmm. uh, on the property. So he's like, he realizes she isn't a virgin. And then there's just like Udo Kier hilariously vomiting like oh, gallons of blood into right. a bathtub. Cool. Where it's just like, you know, it's just a fucking hose yeah. they had, like, hidden in the shot. It's so fucking funny and gross. All right. It's very good. Yeah, you'd figure, you know, getting rid of... Yeah, but then you can just, yeah, you can just bite somebody yeah. and fucking, yeah, toss them in the river. Yeah. Like, oh I my actually God. just looked up, uh, fingerprinting wasn't invented until 1892. So that gives you a good long time before they could even be close to, like, collecting forensic evidence... Yeah, maybe the gloves... Even even about who you killed. Maybe the gloves are also that. Oh. Huh. Maybe. If there's the chance that you might be connected to a weird, you know, happening or recognized or mistaken for somebody who should not still be this young. Yeah. Maybe it's harder to fingerprint you if you don't leave fingerprints. Yeah. Huh. Didn't think about that until just now. Yeah, because that would have been a little more than over 100 years ago, so they maybe would have yeah. taken some precautions by then. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they've been doing it since fingerprinting became a thing. Yeah. Um, so they end up, uh, I think I said, rolling up Ian in a carpet and driving around for a while until they drive to, I don't know where. Some place that kind of looked like a parking garage. Yeah, well, yeah, it looked first, like an old factory. You know, it's some place that had, like, a pool of acidic sludge. Yeah. And they just fucking throw Ian in, and there's some, you know, CGI of, like, the flesh immediately melting off his skeleton. Yeah, it happens way too fast, man. Yeah, and they decide to get out of Dodge. Yeah, they he's gonna, he's gonna go with her to Tangier. He's yeah. just gonna... 
it's heartbreaking. He's, he's real, uh, like not a fan of this plan and is being a big Debbie Downer. Yeah, I mean, he's basically um, agoraphobic. Yeah. So he's pacing in the other room being like, he hears her on the phone making these reservations for plane tickets and organizing like you know stopovers only only traveling at night blah blah blah, you know that kind of thing yeah and he hears her and you know he's like you know she says something like oh no no luggage only carry on he's like what about my instruments and she like covers the phone and she's like the world is full of beautiful instruments i will find you an instrument in in tangier and i was just like oh it's such a shame but yeah i mean she's not wrong and then well, you know, it's not like he can't ever come back to that house. It's just that it is probably going to be sitting there for a while. Yeah, and you know, who knows? But like, it's and not then, as hopeless as you're making it sound. You, no, he probably can't come back. That's why they're leaving. Is like they were all seen at the bar. Yeah, the night yeah. before. So when he disappears, they're gonna come look up for this guy. People have already found out where he may or may not live. So the police would definitely check that address uh-huh. and find all that weird stuff. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why they end up bailing. He's like, can we travel with blood? And she's like, we won't need to. You know, Marlo has the best stuff. We'll get there, and then we'll fix. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Basically. Yeah. They get there, and then they have to make their way through the town, up to her apartment, and then they go looking for Marlo. And she hasn't been able to reach him on her phone. Yeah, she's trying to call him and stuff, and they're both, like, really starving. Yeah, they're they're both... starting to get weak. They're both fiending for a fix, Uh to use the, again, visual language. But yeah, it's it's that. They're both starving and weak, to the point where when they're approaching her apartment, Adam sees, like, the stairs. Mm Mm-hmm. And just sort of sets the luggage down and just stands there for a second. And she's like, come on, it's not that far. Yeah. And he's like, and then picks it back up and goes up the stairs. Yeah. So what, they go to Marlowe's? Well, at first they tried to go to the cafe. The owner had it closed, but like opened it just to tell them that like, oh, your friend is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go to Marlowe's, his uh, like manservant friend lover. I don't know. Mm. Uh, let's them in, and then uh, he's got like a real cool ass hidden bookshelf door. Uh-huh. That's like a big, uh, yeah. like an arched, uh, yeah, arched door that looks like a decorative like bookshelf, you know. And and you push on it, and it swings open. I love that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Marlo is he's been poisoned. His reputable doctor fell through. He got something else, and it was tainted. Yeah. So now he's been poisoned, and he's dying. Yeah. They kind of say their goodbyes. Right. One of the things that, because Adam clearly, you know, admired him at some point. Yeah. Uh, in the past and is pretending not to. But he's like, at least you got the workout. Yeah. You know, and, and again, implying that Marlowe was secretly Shakespeare. Right. Or that Marlowe wrote the works and gave them to Shakespeare to put out, you know, under his name. That yeah, kind of in, thing. in whatever capacity that that was. And that's where the Keanu Reeves is a... Shakespeare truther uh-huh. uh, information becomes relevant. Uh-huh. Which, again, totally fine. You do you, Keanu. I love you anyway. Yeah, and then they just sort of, you know, they say their goodbyes, and then they, they, yeah. they take off, and they just sort of start wandering. Yeah, he dies. Yeah. They have a nice little what are we going to do in unison yeah. at one point. They're just kind of trying to figure out, not even trying to figure out, but they're sort of resigning themselves to, like, how fuck they are. Yeah, because they're like, we don't have any means of getting blood we're starving and it's getting it's going to be light yeah and like at this point they don't even know if they could get home get out of the light before yeah you know she wanders off yeah she says give me the money 
give me your money. I'm going to buy you a present, which uh, I think I was like joking with you. I'm like, that's not usually how presents go, but I guess when you're a vampire, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't think money really matters. They yeah. only, I think they only use it because we use it. Yeah. It's the currency of ma'am. Yeah, so she goes off to get him a present, and he becomes entranced by a woman singing in a cafe or a club or yeah. something. Yeah, um, a little restaurant-y type thing. Yeah. Yeah, he hears it and wanders over. Yeah, and so she does, like, a whole song. Um, apparently, like, she's a real singer. I can't remember what her last name is, but, like... It's Yasmin. Well, she's Yasmina, yes. and she's... I thought Yasmin. Maybe it's Yasmina, but yeah. I thought I had an A on the end. But, so that's also how Eve... Yeah, she may be playing yeah. herself in the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we spend a really long time with that. It's just kind of, like soft and spellbinding yeah it's 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 him you know yeah realizing that there are like beautiful things in the world yeah and it's the kind of like um you know the story the parable have i talked about this before there's a man uh being chased by a tiger and he runs and he um to a cliff's edge and it's a long 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 way down he uh starts to climb to, to avoid the tiger, loses his footing and falls. Now, the only thing holding on, you know, he's holding on to is a vine. And he realizes that there's no way he'll be able to, like, climb back up. And he can't safely climb down. He's pretty much done for. Um, and at the end of the vine is a strawberry. And he picks it and eats it. And it's the most, you know, wonderful strawberry he's ever eaten in his life. It's kind of that. I feel like I heard that story in a movie or a TV show, and I can't think of what. Okay. <laughs> what that was. Yeah, maybe it's a. I mean, it's a parable. Yeah. It's a famous, you know, thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of that. Like he's like, well, I'm about to die, and like here's this one little thing of you know, like beauty. Yeah. This song, this performance, you know. Yeah. And so it's just that. It's just him appreciating it for three minutes, five minutes, whatever yeah. it is. It's great too. Yeah. It's hard to describe that it's, you know, how good it is. But, yeah, it's it's really lovely. It's you know, music's beautiful. Yeah. Eve comes back and she goes, you know, yeah, that's uh, Yashmina. She's Lebanese, you know. Yeah. She's really good. She's going to be famous. And Adam goes, oh, God, I hope not. She's too good. She's too good for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. That's his whole, his whole thing. So they're sitting down. She got him this gorgeous loot there languidly lying together so alliterative and, yeah languidly um, lying with their loot yeah on this like little tiled alcove in the lunar light no it's an alcove it's an alcove alcove the alcove with the uh, tiles mm -hmm. and stuff oh yeah it's a gorgeous little yeah. area yeah it's a nice little nook a sweet little spot uh-huh still doing it yeah i know fuck you <laughs> no Good God. What a boss bench. Oh. oh sure is one. a sweet seat. Hi. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, what a dandy place to die. Oh, okay. Their flask is empty. And yeah, apparently 84% uh, of blood is water. Okay. Is what he says. They do that whole a whole thing of like, you know, uh, how well, how much of the earth is water? Oh, it's, you know, I forget, 80% or 70% yeah. or something like that is oceans. And then the rest is like and lakes. And then there's and lakes and, and rivers and... She says, uh, have the water wars begun yet? Oh, or is that still he, to come? He, he asks oh, her, have he the ha water wars begun here yet? And she's like, they're just starting. Yeah. Because one of the things this film is about is watching the world die. Or change. Eh. 
Although, I mean, yeah, actually, a lot of the dialogue is about ruining. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the title might be a prediction. Yeah. They will be the only lovers left alive. I think the final scene is saying that, like, everything else, the world, physical things and whatever, are all done for because humanity, we're, we're terrible and stupid and we just ruin everything. But lovers and therefore love is what will survive. Okay. That's what I got out of it. That's what I think the, you know, the conversation in the final scene is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, how, you know, what does he say, how 18th century of you or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. They see a couple Yeah, and she, she asks him to explain a spooky action at a distance again. Yeah, which they made a mention of earlier. She asks him, yeah, earlier she asks him, like, oh, tell me about spooky action at a distance, and he's kind of like, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Not right now. That kind of thing. Because yeah. I think it's when Ava's around and he's in a bad mood. I thought it was that she kind of wanted a bedtime story or something like that. And it oh, was maybe. like the first night she was with him or something. Maybe. But yeah. Either way, she makes, you know, there was a reference earlier that like she likes when he describes it to her. Yeah, she asks him again. And so he does. And I feel like you would probably do a better job in this. Yeah, this I mean. Me. But uh, it's spooky action at a distance is, um, and I'm, I'm probably going to mess up some of the terminology, but it's when two intrinsically linked particles um, are separated by any amount of distance. It could even be, like, as they say in the movie, opposite ends of the universe. Anything that happens to one basically happens to the other. Anything you do to affect one will affect the other. Yeah. Um, because so they're like intrinsically a, linked. Yeah, it's a description of quantum entanglement. Yeah, and... It's kind of, uh, again, drawing on the love is an emotion and emotions are an energy, you know, kind of theory that uh, Interstellar did, I thought, very well. People apparently disagree. No, Um, it was good. They just weren't anticipating that kind of science fiction. Yeah. It's very rare to see that on screen. Yeah. But using that as a through line and, you know. As a lens. Yeah. Yeah. To appreciate that and, you know, as a way of thinking about science and the way that we're interlinked and, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's what spooky action is. Yeah. But also, it's like, it's a metaphor for their whole yeah. existence with each other, where they had this connection, even living separate lives for a time. Yeah, for an, an unknown amount of time, yeah. Yeah. They still have this connection and this shared fate with each other. Yep. But they kind of decide they're just going to go ahead and eat this young couple. I mean, not eat, eat, but, like, they're going to turn them. They're going to turn them, yeah. That way they'll be living at least another night. Yeah, this whole sequence is done really... I mean, there are a lot of great shots in this movie that I don't think we've really... Well, we can't do justice to just describing them because, you know, you have to see it. But, like, yeah, as they get just up... Just describing that, like, oh, you know, and everything here is slowed down doesn't... Yeah accurately convey because they're you know it's also uh, the whole thing is like beautifully lit and like um the shots are like really well composed yep things are especially in detroit like and also somewhat in tangier they're cluttered but not like over cluttered you know there's a lot to look at yes visually it's just phenomenal yeah but we even saw in the behind the scenes in this final scene they add a neon moon off of one of the buildings. Yeah, the sign. Just to have, like, one more bit of, you know, visual interest, and then also for it to be... A lot of times when you have, like, uh, vampire movies or werewolf movies or whatever, they, you get a lot of, like, you know, 
moon at night and hunting and you know that whole thing. yeah yeah the so animal i think that was supposed to angle. be like a nod to that while it also still being a very urban thing yeah yeah symbology yeah yeah they walk slowly up to this couple, couple or like they were dancing together and then they oh. sat on like a bench and were oh, just yeah, like making, making out. out before they even approach the couple you get a shot of them after they stood up uh, from their nook it's her glove and the empty flask yeah just kind of on the ground which i i liked because yeah it's a very artful little thing yeah it's a good detail yeah because those are both representations of them giving up yeah throwing the flask down because it's empty and them taking their gloves off because it's the end yeah uh yeah and they walk you know they walk up to the couple and um i believe eve says like um like pardon me and Maybe, I thought it was French. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe French. Yeah. Yeah. And the couple like look up and it's just like Tilda Swinton's fanged mouth like coming at the camera and uh Tom Hiddleston in the background kind of literally kind of doing like vampire hands. Yeah. He's kind of like a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's that's how the movie ends. Yep. It's a very good, you know, sequence. Yeah. I always like it if, you know, if you're expecting an action movie or a horror movie or something like that that's not what this is yeah no you know it's not even terribly dramatic it just has a bit of drama to it and a bit of you know emotional attachment yeah i mean it's a it's a relationship drama yeah it could be called vampires they're just like us yeah but it's not like he gets her sister pregnant or something like that or yeah no no, like it's... it's not yeah no, it's it's about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. In a very adult way that I don't think always get handled with this sort of yeah. genre piece. Or yeah, anything, it's, it's not know? salacious. It's yeah. not um, melodramatic. It's dramatic. Yeah. It's sexy and sensual without being overtly sexual. It's it's very sensual. Yeah. It really is. In the, like, classical, you know, use of the term. It yeah. is, you know is a feast for the senses like everything is deliberately placed and you know and chosen and they they like savor things weirdly mm-hmm. and they appreciate like bits of technology and also nature and like these things like they're you know yeah i like it mm-hmm. i guess we'll move on to the the verdict well, i thought it was a great watch it's kind of why I chose it because yeah. I wanted to do a movie that I liked yeah, with you, you for date you, night. But you can't say that that's why you chose it because you've definitely chosen at least one movie that you hate. Well, that's because I wanted to do a hate watch. But with this, yeah. I wanted to, yeah, do a date night thing, but also like a movie that I can appreciate that still has a romantic bent to it. Yeah. And this is, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it is. This is a, a classic romance. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a weird one. Yeah. But, you know, might just be up your alley, especially if you're like me and do not care for a lot of the uh, romantic comedies or romantic dramas that uh, you see. I'm not saying that you're wrong or that you're, you know, dislike of them because a lot of them are garbage, but like they can still be fun. I know, but I I feel like I need to be more selective with that genre than I do for other genres. Yeah. And uh, I don't necessarily appreciate that because I end up watching a lot more movies that I don't like. (laughs) Yeah. For me as well, this is a great watch. Like, I, ca- I really can't recommend this movie enough. I also really can't recommend this movie to a lot of people because it's very... 
Oh yeah, you have a lot of ADD friends. Yeah, it's it it's a slow burn. It's, yeah. you know, there's the stuff that's funny in it, the stuff that we were laughing at, line delivery and stuff. It's not played for jokes, you no. know, in the movie. It's it's funny. I hate, or, to, I hate to keep using this word, but it's funny intellectually. Like, it's funny situationally. You know, like, UA Ian is definitely, like, the biggest laugh in the movie for me. Yeah. Because it's just hilarious. Like, it, it's so, it's delivered so well. Yeah. But um, there are other things that we were talking about. A couple things that we mentioned where I was, like, describing it and laughing at it. Just because, like, it's so funny and weird and absurd or whatever. Yeah. And the thing is, that it's funny now looking back on it and, like, intellectually or situationally funny. But they're not. nothing's played, like... This isn't a movie with, like, laughs in it, really. Except right. for maybe you ate Ian, or maybe her saying sorry. Like, one of those two things is definitely there for the goofs, you know? Because yeah. it's funny. Well, and the, the whole chess sequence is kind of them being playful with each other. Yeah. You know. Oh, like, it does, I plugged it in. Like, that doesn't work. Oh, it does, I plugged it yeah. in. That's yeah. funny, but it's not like, in the movie, it's not like a laugh line. Right, yeah. Like, you know, it's not delivered as such. Like, you know... I think I laughed at it. <laughs> yeah. But, like... So, you know, this isn't a thing that'll entertain you by being constantly, like, funny, laughing, you know, whatever. It's also... Yeah, kind of slow burn. And it's, again, not plot-heavy. Yeah. It's... It's a it's an emotions movie. Um, which isn't for everybody. And it's also hard to recommend... Like, hard to vocalize what's great about it. Like, yeah, it looks good. It's really well written. The performances are fantastic. The world building is, like, amazing. Yeah. Like, it's really well done. It's very cool. It's kind of unlike a lot of anything I've ever seen, really, you know. Right. It's a very fun, cool, relaxing, like, chill-out vampire romance, which is all very weird. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a very, it's a hard movie to figure out how to recommend, but I really can't recommend it enough. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's like a, like a really, really underappreciated movie. I agree. Yeah. It, just in the fact that people aren't constantly talking about it. Yeah. I think it was probably pretty well reviewed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think also it's probably, you know, some people that, again, really weren't feeling it because it doesn't have the same, like, entertainment beats that you get from other films. And also because, like, it is a vampire movie, but it is not... A vampire movie like we usually get them yeah vampire movies traditionally have <clears throat> certain story beats yeah and things or or you know story conventions and we don't really have mm, any of that here yeah. you know like because it's not extremely arch the way a lot of yeah. even like modern like clever and like reimagining the vampire genre like movies still have they still have like your uh your renfield you know your renfield in this is for tilda it's john hurt you know and he's also kit marlowe yeah and like for tom hiddleston it's anton yelchin who's like a cool rock guy who like hangs out in clubs and really digs music he's not straggly like big-eyed like thirsty you know who eats flies like that guy you right. know so it, it has these archetypes but it's played more straight and realistic and stuff so it, it, yeah. i don't well, think so it'll scratch the itch that a lot of people would expect if i say a vampire movie even a lot of the vampire lore stuff is treated as an afterthought because that's not why we're here right you know it's... yeah all the world building and all that sort of stuff is yeah. like very uh, at the fringes of the film yeah um yeah because it's again it's it's about their relationship and about specifically like her figuring out where he's at yeah, I mean, it's kind of like um, the point of science fiction being taking these problems to an extreme so that you can expose how yeah. 
absurd something is or how, you know... Dangerous you know, yeah. something can be or right. could be. Right, or... And so with this, I think it's taking a relationship to an extreme of given infinite time, what does that look like for two people? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's the only reason why this is a vampire movie and not just a romance. Yeah, because you have to do a lot less legwork. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you could do a movie like Time Traveler's Wife or The Fountain or whatever, which right. are kind of about, like, love across all time, you know? Yeah. But, but this is you got to do more legwork. Yeah. yeah. Thing where we understand what they are. We understand what a lot of the rules are. Right. And if you want to make any changes, you can do that in an elegant way. Yeah, which is what happens here. You can do that in an elegant way, vampire movie guys. You don't need to beat us over the head with that. Vampire movie guys. Seriously. Yeah, no. This is the movie is that's a that's a perfect word for it. The movie is extremely elegant. Yeah. It's all really well done. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely a great watch. So wish we had more wine. Maybe try that with your date night. Yeah, get more wine. I did also want to mention, I have not seen it yet, but apparently on this uh, past season of um, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. Tilda Swinton. Oh, shows up? Yeah, did a guest uh, guest spot. Oh, fuck yes. And some something I read online said that it almost seemed like they were implying that uh, Only Lovers Left Alive and uh, What We Do in the Shadows share, share a universe. universe. Oh my god, <laughs> that would be... So yeah, I... But I haven't read it, so I don't know what the context really oh, is. Man. So I don't know if she's like that or if they were just like, well, she's played a vampire here before, so maybe it's a shared unit. You know, like if it was just oh, gear spinning. God. But I, my God, I would love it. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of fun. Oh, man. She also was on uh, the red carpet at Cannes, like the last Cannes, last edition, the Cannes okay. Film Festival. Sure. And somebody asked her well how do you stay you know so youthful how, how do you not seem to age and she straight up was like well you know i'm a vampire <laughs> because tilda is the best yeah i love her yeah end of the show hey hunter <laughs> where can they find us you can find us on the social medias twitter and instagram at hwgw podcast you find us every other wednesday that's every other wednesday I'm sorry, I I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> you find us every other Wednesday. That's every, every other, other Wednesday. Wednesday on moviejohn.com or iTunes and download. And please tell all your cool friends. As always, you can email us with, uh, I don't know, questions, complaints, queries. That's like questions is the same thing. Yeah. Uh, well, recommendations. I don't know. At write, hate watch, great watch. That's W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W at gmail.com so now is the part where we have to ad lib a slogan for our own show which we've never had to do before this is hate watch great watch it's a very romantic podcast two sexy young yeah. people of indeterminate gender i was gonna say it's like watching a movie with your friends except not today because it's valentine's day that's right play with someone else or play with yourself oh come on no yes right. bye bye <laughs>
Yeah, and I have an old uh, hardback. For, I think it might be like a first edition. Yeah. It's very old, and uh, it's real goddamn heavy. And also, I think my first um, Game of Thrones book that I have is oh, yeah. hardback and huge as well. Is it hardback? It's not as big, but it's... Yeah. yeah. It's hardback, but it's not as large as The Stand, but... I also feel like it's probably a quicker read than The Stand, though. Stand No. It's got a lot going on. No? Okay. Mentally, you have to do a lot more... I guess. With it. Like, you know, in the stand, they get in a car and they go to a city you've heard of yeah. and their names are normal. And, right. you know, everything that happens is something you're familiar with in an innate way because it exists in your world. Right. But in Game of Thrones, it's like, and then Jorgamir got on his Florgan Hound and ra- rode it to F- Findlesham. And then the gray one rose out of the septuagenarian ocean. And I'm like, what the, uh, where is that? Do I have to know where that is? They have maps in the front. Oh, sure. Yeah, that helps. Like when I was reading uh, Lord of the Rings. I'm going to write a really fucking confusing <laughs> like uh, like book, and I'm just going to draw like a squiggly-ass map in the front and be like, Meh, and just put a couple random points and see if that uh, helps anybody appreciate anything about distance. No, it won't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> You're so mad. It never has. I just I never get the point of maps in books. If anything, if you're going to put a map in a book, you should put it in the book every goddamn time you mention travel. Don't make me flip to the front or the back. Or the back. Yeah. Or the middle. Yeah, if you're I'm trying to be a real dick. Put it in the middle. Yeah, if you really want me to hate your book <laughs> in the middle. It's in the du- he traveled to the duchy of go fuck yourself. Well, now I think <laughs> He's not even trying, but I am 200 pages in and I want to see how it ends.